On Sunday, I went on uh, what really was one of the coolest trips to the supermarket ever. Uh, it was wild, but it's very hard to explain why this trip to the supermarket was so cool. It was just so amazing. I, I, I cherish the memory now, uh, two days later on a Tuesday, of going to the supermarket. Uh, but in order to explain it to you, I have to, we have to go back to early September 1985. Yes. This, su- this supermarket trip is very complex. Okay, it involves the events of, the, of this moment in 1985, which is a long time ago now, right? To me, it seems like, well, yeah, was, if, if, if I was just to think about it, the first microsecond of my thought, how long ago was 1985? I'm like, I don't know, like seven years ago or something. No, it's a lot longer ago than that, obviously. Like, like 37 to 38 years ago, for God's sakes. Oh, my God, that's a long time ago. It doesn't seem like that long ago. Anyways, so uh, I had just gotten to my college, Drew University in Madison, New Jersey, and uh, there was a uh, an orientation barbecue down at Mead Hall, uh, and one of the administration buildings. And I was walking down, I think by myself. I don't know. Obviously, it was like one of the first few, first or second day of college. I didn't really know very many people. Um, I think I was walking by myself, and. Uh, Across that campus, which, you know, at the time was sort of like the perfect college campus at twisty walkways and misty nights and lots of forests. And it just had that great college feel, you know. Um, so I'm walking down to the barbecue. And by the way, at that point, I still ate meat, so I probably did have some barbecued meat at that point. I didn't turn vegetarian until 87, so. Ugh, don't even want to think about it. I wonder what I ate like fried chicken or some sort of pork product, fried pork rinds. No, I, no, they wouldn't have had pork rinds there, would they? No. Anyway, um, see, I, 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 but I still remember how all that stuff tastes, even though I haven't eaten it since then, you know, all those meat products. Anyway, I'm walking, and I overhear this conversation, one of my fellow students talking to a woman. I'm not sure who this woman was, but I heard him say clearly, I enjoy exploring the mysteries of the universe. And I, that caught my ear. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, hey, I enjoy the mysteries of the universe as well. So I don't know what happened to the woman. At that point, me, this was Brian from the Three Weasels. I, I met him. That's the first time I met him. As we're walking to the barbecue. And I think I found the actual date in some document a couple years ago. I think it was September 2nd or whatever it was. But it was around that time, 1985. Again, a long time ago. Anyway, so... Uh, so we got to talk. Oh, the mysteries of the universe. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, what's your name? I'm like, I'm Frank. He's like, oh, I'm Brian. You know, oh, great to meet you. So you, we enjoy the I – wish, I wish I had a tape of this. Can you imagine if you can go into the Akashic Records and just, and just extract the audio of this of our conversation? That would be so great. <laughs> does such a thing exist, all the audio of everything ever? Supposedly it does exist. Well, supposedly. Some people say it exists. Uh Anyway, um, so we got talking. Yeah, you know, this. Is, how do you like Drew? I'm like, yeah, this seems pretty cool. You know, just we both were freshmen. And he's like, so where, where, do you live on campus? I'm like, yeah, you know, I live in Brown. He's like, oh, really? I, I, I live in Tolly. And, uh, you know, you have to sort of picture these two dorms. These were dorms for underclassmen. They sort of had three levels and the cinder block walls and really like like a college, like a dorm room back in the 80s. You had those, those sort of, uh, they were like beds, but they had like shelves built into them. It was a whole thing. 
Um, so these two dorms were connected by a, a, a building, a connecting building that was uh, called the Tolly Brown Lounge, right? But the, so you could basically go from one dorm to the other without going outside. So um, he's like, oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm in Brown uh, 209. So second floor, ninth built room, dorm room number 209. He's like, really? He's like, I'm in Tolly 209. I'm like, wow, that is such a weird coincidence that we're we both, wow, we're both in room 209 and we just met each other talking about the mysteries of the universe. That's what started the whole 209 thing. That was the origin. I've told the story many times. But anyway, um, little did we realize at that time, September 1985, that just a few months earlier, on July 4th, uh, our country, the United States of America, turned 209 years old. Uh, I didn't realize that until years later, but <laughs> yes, the 209 thing is strong, okay? Is, I don't know. We still don't know. 30, what, 30 X years later, we still don't know what 209 is all about. I've had a million theories. Everyone has different theories. Brian thinks it's the code number of the virtual simulation we live in, you know. I think it's a sort of a code number for sort of a, u- the utopian dream of what society could be. And um, as certainly we didn't know at the time, but there was a guy named Peter Bernard in New York City who around the same time, also in 1985, discovered the number 209. And he's told us the story. Him and this this woman were hanging out and there was a, uh, I'm trying to remember. Something in the range of, you know, in a supermarket, they have these price stickers. So they found a roll of price stickers that all said 209 on them. And they, um, you know, $2.09. And then they, I, I don't know if they wrote their own thing on it. And they st- started sticking around everywhere. This is completely, we had no contact with them at that point. But th- he's the only other, per- only other person that we've ever met that is really into 209. But he got into it the same year when America was t- turned 209, you know. Now, this does relate to the supermarket. Just we're, we're, we're getting to it. The supermarket from just two days ago. So anyway, uh, we became fast friends, me and Brian. And uh, this was around the time that I also met Mad Mike, right? Mad Mike uh, from the Anything But Monday show, which just had its 37th anniversary uh, over the weekend. We'll talk about that as well. But he was a sophomore. I remember... He was living uh, down the hall from room 209. He was in, like, room 204 or something, you know. And that was sort of the the origin of the whole Anything But Monday thing, but we'll get to that. Anyway, so me and Brian sort of talked about we should start the 209 Club. We should sort of start building sets of 209 objects, like 209 paper clips or 209 pebbles. We were sort of playing around with it. Nothing that serious, but... um, Fast forward a bit, <clears throat> and, uh, well, of course, I have to mention the following summer in uh, May, I think it was May or late May or early June, probably late May 1986, I met Peter, the the third weasel of the three weasels, and I just realized it was about nine months after the initial contact. It was almost sort of like after the nine-month gestation, then Peter comes on the scene, he, and he was sort of he he was became you know 
part of the 209 thing sort of unofficially. Or officially as one of the three weasels. I met him at the birth control factory, and he didn't last too long. He got fired for dropping diaphragms on the floor, but that's a whole separate story. Anyway, Brian and I uh, were playing around with this 209 thing, and finally in, I think it was October, I don't know the exact date. I know I have it somewhere. I believe it's October 1986. This is the next year, a year later. Uh, On a Sunday, we decided to go to um, Morristown, which isn't too far from Madison. It's right down what then was Route 24, but it's now Route 124 since they built the real Route 24 years later. Um, it was a Sunday, and we wanted to go to Heroes World, a comic shop in Morristown. And in fact, Heroes World was their own comic book distributor. In fact, I used to work on and off for this guy, Alex, for his comic book store in Somerville, New Jersey, quite a bit to the south. Uh, called Quality Comics and actually I drove up with him a few times to get his books instead of having it shipped there we drove up and we just went into the back warehouse area at Heroes World which was in a strip mall in Morristown and we picked up his order of comic books because I had a car at the time I also worked for him I think it was 85 or 86 in the summer at the Route 1 flea market a lot of great stuff going on back in the mid 80s you know I feel so fortunate to have to have like been around in the 80s. It's such a cool time. I feel like some sort of time traveler that used to be in the 80s, but now I'm here. Actually, I am. I moved forward in time like everyone else, one one second at a time to get here to 2023. The heck kind of future is this? It's okay. What do you want? Anyway, so we, 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 uh, we went and we thought it was open on Sunday, but we got there and it turns out it was closed on Sundays to this uh, Heroes World comic shop. So I'm like, oh, well, we got to, uh, you know, we, we got to the exit of the strip mall and to get back to college. And again, it was probably like a 15, 20 minute ride. Uh, I was driving probably my, my parents uh, BMW 2002. That was my car back then. Very cool little car, manual transmission. There was something wrong with it, so like it, it would make like a smoke screen. So something wrong with the engine. Like if I rev the engine, it would create like a smoke screen, like in spy movies. I always used to love doing that. Yeah, probably very annoying to the other people on the road. But anyway, and also another thing about the BMW is that if if you're driving around in a BMW, I don't know if it's all BMWs or just a 2002. Anyone else that's driving the same car will flash their lights at you. It's like the secret brotherhood of. Uh, a BMW owners or 2002 owners? I don't know. I have to ask my neighbors. I think they have a BMW. If the people are still flashing their lights, <coughs> I, 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 I think I researched it at one point. But anyway, so just as a split second decision, um, instead of I had, in, <coughs> I had intended to turn left, but I turned right instead. I'm like, let's just go on a random journey now that we're out and about. He's like, okay. So I don't know. We started just driving at random. And if you know, like, for some reason, Morristown, that part, like, there's a lot of just, it's easy to get lost up there. And somehow we wound up driving uh, sort of the back way, and we wound up at this place in Kinelon, New Jersey, called the Kinelon Mall. Let me look at a map and actually see how do you, I know I've done this in the past, but how do you get from Morristown to Kinelon? Kinelon kind of reminds me of Kenilworth, you know. There's towns in New Jersey with these similar names, like... uh, Piscataway and Parsippany, but uh, Kinelon and 
and a Kenilworth. <laughs> Kenilworth is actually where, um, <clears throat> back in the 80s, there was uh, Photon, that the first laser tag uh, company ever. And they had an outpost there in Kinlon. I went there once or twice. I didn't play, but I went on the observation platform where you could put a like a quarter in this gun and you could shoot people from the platform. Anyway, also there's this there's a, we I've been there. There's a place called the Greek store where they sell lots of Greek food in Kenilworth. I don't know much else about Kenilworth. It's just another random town in New Jersey. But we're talking about Kinilon here. So Kinilon is up on Route 23 near Butler, right? Is that where I think was it Butler or Booton? <laughs> They're slightly different. Booton and Butler are kind of different, but I think it was Butler. Or was it Booton where Mad Mike and I went to spend a day with the Hare Krishnas for our 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 college class, uh, New Religious Movements in America, basically a class about cults, religious cults. And we it was through the, you know, through the college we made contact with them and I guess other students had done it too, spent a day. I think they were trying to rec- recruit us for their cult. It was very very uh, informative hanging out with the Hare Krishnas. I was very impressed cuz they're like uh somehow we got on the topic of the of the moon missions. They're like, yeah, you know, that Apollo moon mission was all fake. We here in the Hare Krishnas know that. Or ISKCON, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. I was very impressed that they were in. T- Even back then, I, I knew about the, the fake moon landings. Or, you know, I sort of suspected that the moon landings may have been fake. And they were vegetarian. I think I may have been vegetarian at that point when we, when we went to that class. I'm not sure. And I remember he came to our class, a guy named Vishnu Gada, and he was playing that hypnotic drum they have, this weird drum. He was trying to recruit the students of the college to join the Hare Krishnas. Now, come on. And we saw this one guy saying Hare Krishna, like, so fast. He was trying to get through it. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. They had to say it, like, 1,500 times every morning. Sounds like kind of a drag, you know. That's not good for, hey, you want to join our cult? Yeah, we're good vegetarian food. You know, we hang out. And Oh, by the way, you have to say this. Stupid rhyme every morning for 1,500 times. Like, what? That doesn't sound fun. I know it's not meant to be fun. You're meant to be having a spiritual union with these Hindu gods. Come on. Come on. Anyway. <coughs> so we wound up at the small. Let, let, let me look at the map. Hold on. All right. Yeah, I see. It, it does make sense, sort of. I'm looking at the map here. If he went up through Morris Plains, then Denville, and then whatever that no-man zone is up there. Uh... Rockaway Township, Farney State Park. Yeah, there's back roads that go up there to that Kinelon Mall. And, uh, yeah, so we stopped at the Kinelon Mall, and uh, it was just a wild place. In one of the wings of the mall, there are two wings, a very small mall, like two two wings, kind of, two sections, connected by a connector. And uh, <clears throat> in one of the sections was a place called Leoscorp, Variety, which was this crazy variety store, Leoscorp, one word. Probably one of the owners was their sign, their astrological sign was Leo, the other one was Scorpio, so they called it Leoscorp Variety. And uh, I remember we, we went there and there was just all this like cool random stuff. And uh, we wound up buying super elastic bubble plastic, which still exists. I thought they discontinued it because, you know, like back then, kids could handle like this utterly toxic goo in this little tube. If you remember this product, uh, 
you would squeeze a little little bit of this goo, which smelled like some sort of industrial solvent or something. But listen, kids were tougher back then. They weren't as sensitive as they are today. Some toxic chemicals didn't matter. And you had this little little thin plastic straw thing, and you would put a little bit of this. And it was from Whammo. You know, the original was from Whammo, the same company that makes Frisbees and stuff. You put this. You would like sort of roll it around your fingers and put it at the end of this uh, this tube, and then you would blow it, and you would blow like these weird, like psychedelic multicolored bubbles. And you could stick them on the wall or whatever. So I remember me and Brian were like out in the hallway, and there was like a Chinese restaurant, and these Chinese kids were just sort of hanging out in the hallway, and me and Brian were making super elastic bubble plastic bubbles and sticking them on the wall, and the kids were all fascinated by it. So. I don't know. It was just like this weird thing. And then we kept driving, right, after we were at – I forget. I mean, I don't remember everything. Brian might remember more about it because he has a photographic memory. I should – see, I wonder if Brian could recreate our conversation verbatim. If he could just sort of recite exactly what we said to each other. See, this is what I didn't realize. I might be able – we might be able to have that happen. I was going to get together with him and Peter this weekend, but Peter had a bad cold, so we didn't get together, as I mentioned last time. Our weasel adventure was canceled, but hopefully next month in March we'll get together. Um, March is going to be big next month, obviously, is the uh, 20th anniversary of the Overnightscape, and so I have like a whole scheme planned out to – I'm going to sort of echo the first, you know, the first two test episodes and the actual episode. I'm going to try to – maybe I should do that today, get all my old equipment out of the garage and see if I can get it working. My old audio equipment. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work after all these years, but anyway. Um, so we continued on into Butler, and we wound up at this music store. And it was a Sunday. And it was, like, getting later, but the store was still open. And there was this man and this woman at the store. And uh, we went there, and uh, we were talking to them. And they had the Casio SK-1 sampling synthesizer keyboard that I just saw and I, you know, you could just sort of hit a button and record anything into the microphone and then you could play it. (coughs) I was so fascinated by that device. I don't think I bought it then, but I think I went back and bought it uh, the next week or something. Um, And I used that in my my music, the little Frankie Nora music from 87 to 88, I think. Anyway, um, we went, we were talking to them. We said, yeah, we just went on this random journey and talking about Dree University and and then we saw, like, a door just sort of open by itself. <laughs> like, behind the counter, this door just opened. And we're like, wait, what? They're like, yeah, this place is haunted. You know, things move around. And I don't know if they were just kidding with us, but... Um, it, op- it just moved by itself. It was so weird. And they're like, you know, we know this. there's a graveyard nearby here that has a lot of uh, graves of people of the same names as the dorms at Dree University. I don't know how these people knew this. They're like, you want to come with us to the graveyard? We're like, yes. So now it's completely dark. I don't think – I think one person had a flashlight or something. I don't know where this graveyard was. And, again, maybe Brian can remember all this stuff. I, ne- I really need to – let me make a note, note to self. Hold on a second. It actually, in retrospect, did seem rather hazardous to go to this graveyard with him. What if they wanted to kill us or something, you know? But everything was fine. And I don't think – I mean, I may have I may have seen those people once again when I went to the store to buy the keyboard. I don't – we didn't keep in touch with them at all. And then we got back. And I think because of that trip, I started to say all of our 
playing around with and focusing on the number 209 sort of created this energy that allowed us to just have this incredible weird adventure just out of nothing. And that's how the whole Obliviana thing, right, originally was called zoning where you would use the number 209 and the idea is you would do some weird stuff and then weird stuff would happen to you. And it was a a whole thing that I was exploring and um, working on and to the point that in the 90s, it all, looking back, it almost seemed like I was almost trying to start a cult talking about cults and it and i kept trying with this 209 system i thought it was something that could be pretty cool like having these cool adventures and stuff um finally in 2003 i'm like i just this is not healthy i'm not making any pro let me just cancel this project and right after i canceled that project i started the overnight escape this show 20 years ago so um so i i sort of uh was able to, I think the cult had one member, me, and I uh, got myself, I deprogrammed myself. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so that day and that, especially the Kinelon Mall, and that area, it's a Route 23. I know 23 is one of those numbers that people say has all these weird properties. Uh, and that whole area of New Jersey, if you go up, that part of New Jersey, it just has this weird feel. It has, it looks weird. It feels weird. It's awesome, and uh, so I've always had this fondness for the Kinelon Mall, and I've gone back there over the years. I think Leoscorp Variety lasted some point into the '90s. Then they then they uh, remodeled the mall, and that one section where Leoscorp was became a movie theater. Right, and I do remember going to see. I think it was in 97, the the uh, the first of the special editions. Remember Star Wars, the special edition? A New Hope special edition came out, and uh, I think I saw it there. And before the movie, this guy got up and was like, Hey, everyone, I just want to ask everyone, do you remember the first time you saw Star Wars? And blah, blah. You know, it was this whole 20 years early. It was the 20th anniversary of Star Wars. People were dressed up as Star Wars characters. and It was a big, you know, because we had just... In 97, I think we knew that the new movies were coming, but this was like, you could actually go see Star Wars again in the movie theater, right? It was 83 was the last Star Wars movie that came out. So there was this huge gap in Star Wars movies while George Lucas adopted a bunch of kids. And he, he said, the reason I didn't make any Star Wars movies because I, I, I became like a Mr. Mom and I had to take care of these kids. What about all the kids that like Star Wars? Uh, George, Okay. You have responsibility to those kids too, not just your these orphans that you adopted, whatever. Finally, when the kids grew up, he could make more Star Wars movies. It's a strange guy, George Lucas. Anyway, uh, so that's just that's what the Kinelon Mall means. It has a very special place. It's a weird ass mall too. It's on this hill. Off you go off. It's not right on Route Twenty Three. It's like uh, you go up this hill, and the mall is there, and it's still there's like the front parking lot then there's a back parking lot up the hill and it's a, it's just a strange place right anyway that's the that that is the establishing information now we can get to sunday so over the weekend um so friday was the 17th that was the anything but mondays uh the 37th anniversary of our first radio broadcast in 80 february 17th 86 so mike uh, texted me and stuff and i got uh, we'll, we'll get into that I did release a 37th anniversary special uh, for the occasion. But anyway, 
Then on Saturday, we had game night. We had our neighbors over. We played some games. We'll talk about that later, some of the games we played. So then Sunday was kind of like a, we were really, it was a real late night, and we were really tired, and I'm really, was very lazy on Sunday. My wife and I really were just sort of relaxing. and But I had that absorbi, as I call it, that wanderlust. I felt like going out and doing something. I needed to do something. I was getting cabin fever, as they say. I had absorbi. Absorbi is my own word. That was developed around that same time. See, you, something absorbi is something you can have. I like that word a lot. I think I'm going to try to bring that word back. Absorbi. I just completely made it up. Um, as we were trying to create our own language for our uh, various entertainment productions. Of course we were. Well, I think I was, I was spearheading the language portion of our project. Um, anyway, so... I'm like, I need to. I think we're out of uh, laundry detergent, right? We need laundry detergent, and so I'm like, I should go. I should just at least go to the supermarket to get laundry detergent. That's something, but I don't want to go to the usual supermarket. Maybe I'll go to a, a, su- a different supermarket that I don't go to very often. I was looking at a map. I'm like, yeah, maybe going up Route 23 is a good idea. And at first, I thought of this place, the Wayne Hills Mall, which uh, it was actually a shop and you know an inside shopping mall at one point. In fact, there's one recording here on the archive where the Overnightscape Underground archive where I was just driving around and recording and um, I decided to, when I went to the Wayne Hills Mall, I went to like, it was either the Walden Books or B. Dalton, one of those mall bookstores that are now defunct. Um, there was something, I was looking for, I had this personal mission. There was a, uh, a software release uh, which was uh, like five CD-ROMs that contained every issue of TSR's Dragon magazine, you know, the Dungeons & Dragons magazine. And I wanted to get it in a store. And it was years and years, and I finally found it there at the Wayne Hills Mall. It was, it was like on the ha- Hamburg Turnpike. It's a, it was a, it's an out-of-the-way place. I only went there a couple times. But I saw that there's a supermarket there now. You know, they, they, they tore down the mall, but they kept, you know, like the big stores. So I'm like, maybe I'll go to the Wayne Hills Mall. I'm like, yeah, it's possible. You know, you go on Alps. I like, there's a road called Alps Road. It reminds me of that stage in uh, the 1986 video game Outrun that's called Alps, I think. We drive on these snowy mountains, I think. Anyway, and then I started looking. I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute. There's a, there's a, there's a shop right at, uh, at Kinelon Mall. And it's about a half, that's about a half hour drive for me here. I'm like, that's where I'm going. I'm going to go to the Kinelon Mall. So I, I, and it was uh, later in the day. It was like around four past four p.m. So I knew it was going to be getting dark. Um, so I, uh, I'm like, that's where I'm going to go get my uh, laundry detergent at the Kinelon Mall. <laughs> it was just such a random moment. So I started, I, and I didn't really know. I didn't really have a good sense of how far up it was. I don't really go that way very often. It's past the 287 uh, intersection. Just a little bit past it, but you have to watch because it's. And I was trying to. I was trying to. There, there was like this Delta gas station, which I did get gas at, and that was very bizarre. We'll get to that. Um, there's this jug handle, then you have to go exit to the right, then you cross back over the highway, go up the hill, and go to Kinelon Mall. So, I. Uh, 
So I did that, and it was like really, it was sort of, again, it was like getting darker out. The lighting was really cool, and it's just a, like at one point on the highway, I, there's this huge, like, I don't know what the hell it is. Is it a lake or a moat, and there's this giant castle? I'm like, what the hell is that? I, and then on the way back, I didn't even see it. All right, <laughs> let me look up this castle, first of all. Before we get any further, let me figure out what this castle thing was. It was probably some sort of wedding place or something. Hold on a second. All right, I found it. It's called the Legacy Castle. Event venue, the Legacy Castle in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I never know about that? I don't know. It's like this giant castle on Route 23. Let's see. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up here. When was it built? Hmm. The Legacy Castle. About us. <laughs> Originally purchased, wait, the Legacy Castle is a truly unique, unparalleled, romantic setting to celebrate momentous occasions. The castle exudes an aura of classic elegance and the grandeur of a royal palace, reminiscent of mansions built during the Gilded Age of the late 19th century. Originally purchased in 1998, this project has been in the process for quite some time, envisioned by entrepreneur Munir Badan. This has been a family venture. With over 30 years of experience in real estate, Munir Badan has successfully developed land in the surrounding towns and made a name for himself in the tri-state area. Ready to hand over the reins to his children will be Munir Badan's last project, as it has been so aptly named. What? Anyway, so I, I guess it it was built after 97, 98 then, so okay. I really haven't been up that way that much, so... It's cool, though. It's interesting. This is castle by this lake and a little body of water. It's a whole thing. Wow. Anyway, so I uh, crossed the highway, and then I made sure to drive on the coolest name of a road ever, Kickout Connection. Right? You, t- you can turn left, on, uh, and uh, you can enter the mall from the other side by going on the Kickout Connection. K-A-K-E-O-U-T. No space. Kickout Connection. Um, even though it says C-O-N-N. So I think there's some question whether it's the cake-out connection or cake-out connector. But I prefer to think of it as the cake-out connection because that's the coolest name ever for a street, and I drove on it. But there was a bit of chaos. As I was approaching the end of the, the cake-out connection, only goes for like a couple hundred feet. It's a very short road. Uh, you can drive the entire thing in about 12 seconds. But anyway, uh, as I got to the... T- I was going to turn right, and there was a guy walking down this hill from the mall right towards the intersection there, and I was kind of concerned. Was he going to try to cross the street? Should I wait? But he, but then as I was watching him, um, I, I saw that, uh, okay, it's okay. He's not going to reach there, so I turned right. But I didn't realize someone from the other side was turning left onto the road, this woman in one of those newfangled Ford Broncos, you know, those uh, that obnoxious vehicle, the new Ford Bronco. <laughs> it is obnoxious. <laughs> anyway, because it's trying to be a Bronco, like it's trying to e- e- evoke the coolness of the old Broncos, but it's kind of, eh, I don't know. Anyway, so she just like leans on her horn and just leaves it on and looks at me with this like, look like you asshole, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry. 
You know, we both sort of were turning into the intersection. I stopped to let her go, and she looked so angry. And, of course, she pulled into the supermarket, the, the mall parking lot, just as I did. I'm like, uh-oh, awkward. So she parked, and I, and I made sure to park a little further up so we didn't have some – I didn't have to like, hey, hey, how you doing? Remember me? I'm the guy that, like, cut you off uh, about a minute ago on the, by the cake-out connection. No. I didn't see her or anything. I, I, I parked far enough away. And so anyway, I went in. I grabbed a shopping cart. And interestingly, this sh- of course, this is a synchronicity. The shopping cart that was out in the, in the, um, in the parking lot, the top left wheel, as I'm, as I'm looking at it, you know, pushing it, completely at this horrible angle. It's wiggling around. And it's a synchronicity because on that uh, Anything But Monday anniversary audio I released, there's a section where a man you know when you go to the supermarket, the one wheel never, never works. And you know, I, I don't know if anyone ever really, everyone's noticed this, that when you go to the supermarket, the shopping carts, one wheel is always messed up. But, like, I understand, like, <laughs> what am I trying to say here? How is it that I understand back in the 80s, let's say, like the shopping cart manufacturers had these shitty wheels. I'm sure the supermarkets could have chosen to buy this super, super deluxe line of shopping carts, but they probably chose the cheaper one to save money. The wheels sucked, right? But at some point, right, don't you think over the years the supermarkets would be like, listen, you know, it's time to replace our fleet of shopping carts. Let's just, all of our customers are complaining because there's always that one wheel that's busted. All of the technological advancement in the past 37 years. We, could you imagine that they would have developed a freaking wheel? We're talking about the wheel, one of man's first inventions, okay? They couldn't figure out a shopping cart where the wheels were a bit more durable. Or creating a system where, listen, we are the shopping cart manufacturing company. Of course, we know one of the wheels of, the, of each shopping cart will go bad. Who knows when? We've created an easy replacement system. If right, e- e- even the like, e- imagine you could have a system so simple that even the guys that uh, have to, you know, their job is to bring the shopping carts in from the from from the parking lot. Like, imagine you could just sort of flip it, flip it over and and easily replace. I'm probably with one of those hex wrenches, so people don't steal the wheels. You know, you have to have that special little hex hex bolt. But there's no system. Is this is now 2023 every time i go to the supermarket it's the same freaking thing one of the wheels is always busted or is it just my own bad luck i don't know so i'm like of course i got the the one with the busted wheel and as you're pushing it it sort of leans to the left or leans to the but i'm like listen this is great this is sort of fitting right into these old memories from the 80s so there is a section one of the two sections that were in the mall back in uh, 86 is still there you know, this, the other section had been turned into a movie theater. So I went um, <clears throat> So I went all the way down, and it goes through to the other parking lot, you know. And uh, <laughs> it's just a, such a strange little mall. It has that liminal feeling, that, that really weird feeling, right? And uh, let me see. I took a picture of – yeah, and there's actually a comic book store there called Expired Robot. 
comic books, games, and collectibles. I'm like, wow, it's such a cool store here at the Kinelon Mall. But, of course, it was closed, unfortunately. I would have liked to have gone to Expired Robot. <laughs> it's a great name for a, a store in the mall. And then at the, towards the end on the right was this empty space, I guess that had been a store. I took a picture of it here. <laughs> Inside is this empty space, this, that sort of drop ceiling, like the panels are all beaten up. <laughs> and there's, uh, of course, a, an office chair there. And these uh, Christmas wreaths wrapped in plastic and, and like an old Christmas tree. I guess the Christmas decorations of the mall, one of those genie hydraulic lifts. So it's sort of, I guess the mall's using this as their uh, storeroom. <laughs> but you can look inside of it. You can actually look through and see the other parking lot. It was amazing. So I took that picture. And then uh, I went to the supermarket. It's kind of weird, too, because there's this whole long entrance to the supermarket all along the mall. But you, the, there's only a, s- a small section you can go in. All the rest are the, the checkout lanes. And they have that, th- that little uh, yellow plastic uh, chain across all of the, 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 the checkout lanes that aren't being used. So they, I guess so people can't go out that way. Anyway, so I started going through the mall, and I figured I should – text uh, the three we- the other two weasels of the three weasels so I'm like I am at the Kinelon Mall and I posted the picture of that liminal space of uh, the little storeroom and uh, Brian was like I'm jealous and Peter said he's jealous too so I started uh, going around and it's a really cool supermarket it, it definitely has this weird feel especially towards the back left um, like by the pharmaceutical stuff there's this like toy section in the back there and I'm like if they have super elastic bubble plastic, that is going to be the best thing ever. Because, um, not this time, but last time, I actually went, yeah, because I went to the American Dream uh, on uh, yesterday, actually. But I was at the Toys R Us at American Dream a month or two back, and I saw they still do sell a version of super elastic bubble plastic. It's a different company. It's like a Chinese knockoff brand. It's not Whammo anymore. But they still sell it. I guess the kids of today aren't aren't as sheltered as I thought they were because they can still use super elastic bubble plastic. Yes. So <laughs> I would just uh, so I um, so I in the toy section I was really looking for they had some balloons I'm like no it is something you blow up like super elastic bubble plastic but no I need that so they didn't have it but they had this interesting deck of cards because you know everywhere I go I look for decks of cards because of my flea double solitaire game. And this was a deck called uh, Wild Twists Playing Cards by Uno. It's a 52 standard card deck plus eight extra wild cards. <laughs> it says exciting possibilities. So uh, I got that. And then I was just wandering around. It was actually a pretty good supermarket. I got uh, this cost some coffee beans from Atomic Coffee Roasters, established 1996. The House Blend. Um, which is uh, nutty caramel and cocoa bean flavors. Um, I also got some cereal, the uh, Flax Plus Pumpkin Raisin Crunch from Nature's Path. And I got that drink, and I'm going to be reviewing it later, Starry, the brand brand new uh, from, from Pepsi. They discontinued Sierra Mist, which was their Sprite competitor, and they've introduced Starry, a new lemon-lime soft drink, for the for the the Gen Z generation, and uh, I also found these Diet cheese sticks. You know, I love those single serving cheese cheese products. Uh, since I've been vegan, I have to look for vegan cheese sticks. Of course, recently 
I found the vegan um, baby bell cheeses, you know, and that the little um, wax coated little little puck kind of foods. Those are great, but they're kind of hard to find. These were Daya cheese sticks, so I was very happy to find it. There's not too many single serve vegan cheese products out there, so this was good. Even though Daya, it's, it, they're really not the best vegan cheese, but anyway. And and then I did actually remember. Yes, I do need to get laundry detergent. So I don't know. It was just such a such an amazing. I can't. I like. I can't believe I'm at Cin- the Kinalon Mall, and just the supermarket was per- perfectly weird and strange, just like you'd expect from the Kinalon Mall, or as I'd expect from the Kinalon Mall. This is very. This is a very personal thing for me. So I actually sent the the other weasels a picture of my shopping cart, what I had bought. And Brian said he has been drinking Starry for a while now, and he just ordered a case. Like, that's his, he loves Starry. <laughs> so it's definitely like a weasel drink, Starry. Um, and uh, I did have to use the restroom, so I, in the back of the store, there's the restrooms. And they're actually they're restrooms for the whole mall or just in the supermarket. But you have to go back into the, you know, the back employee area of the supermarket. <laughs> And because you're back in like the stock room, it's so cool. And uh, when I got there, um, there was a guy waiting for the men's room, and someone came out and he went in. So I had to wait for about, I would say, about five minutes, just standing there in the back stock room. It was so cool. The back of like all the like the employees were walking by. I saw that like the warehouse over to the right in the distance. Oh, it was so cool. Um. And so I finished my shopping, and uh, left the mall. And I looked; the, the Bronco woman was gone. I'm like, "Oh, good! I don't know what happened to her. That one that honked at me." And uh, so I went down to 23. And uh, at this point, it was the sun was setting, right? So it was very weird lighting. I needed gas, so I stopped at this Delta gas station, and. I took a picture of it too. It's such a weird gas station. It's like I, I, I did like one of those uh, panorama views of it. Yeah. So the building, it can, it's hard to describe. It's like it's sort of like two buildings connected, and there's this like roof thing over it, and then there's like this courtyard—not a courtyard thing, but sort of a covered outdoor area. And there's like old gas pumps sitting there, and it's all closed. It's it's this like the convenience store, and there's like a row of beverage machines, and it has that kind of rough-hewn brick siding. It's such an utterly bizarre gas station, really. Uh, it's I I'm not really describing it properly. I don't know if you can see it on Google Maps. There, it's right to the south, the Kinlon Mall on 23 South. It's so bizarre. Um, but of course, it fit right in. And then, as I'm as I'm driving uh, down 23, and the sun is setting, and there's you know a lot of hills and stuff, it gets at a point where the sun is like blazing, like on the strip malls to my left, like are just bathed in sunlight. But yet I'm in I'm not in sunlight because of the angle of the sun. It was the most amazing look. It was so cool to see that, like the weird angle of the sunlight on the shopping centers as I'm driving south that was that was wild and then 
uh, my soundtrack driving, you know, I, I put new music on my little uh, flash di- drive that I use in the car. There's this uh, compilation of early new new wave synth pop called Music, Music, Music uh, from Cherry Red Records. And uh, I got on disc two and I just, I just hit, um, you know, uh, uh, shuffle this one disc. So it was sort of like in the old days when you had a CD player in the car, you would just hit shuffle on that CD. And such great songs. Yeah, I'm looking at it here now. It's called Music, 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 1980, The Dawn of Synth Pop. So, yeah, this is all, from, I guess, from 1980. And uh, it's great because uh, it's three CDs worth of music. And I recognize a lot of the band names, but the only song on this whole uh, one that I, I was familiar with is uh, uh, Lawn Chairs by Our Daughter's Wedding. You know that song? Lawn chairs are everywhere. The everywhere my mind describes them to me. The only reason I know that one, it was on uh, that great series of 80s compilations called Living in Oblivion. Right? But it's great because I love, this is one of my favorite genres, early synth pop uh, from, from the 80s. and uh, It's all stuff I'd never heard before, so it's amazing. So on disc two, there's uh, deep tracks by Spandau Ballet, M, right? Kim Wilde. There's some other ones, and a lot of a lot of groups I never heard of. Taxi Girl, oh Japan, I've heard of them. Uh, oh, the, and also a song by the Residents. You know those guys that wore giant eyeballs on their heads. That's cool. Um, so that that was a great uh, soundtrack to this like random journey that I was taking, and the lighting was just unbelievable. And then I I decided I should. Uh, I was on 23 South. I'm like, let me just keep going down. To, to, to Cedar Grove and, and go home that way. I don't think I've ever gone that way. I don't think I've ever gone 23 South and then continued past that, you know, by, by the, the Willowbrook Mall there, continued on tw- 23 South. So that, that was uh, pretty amazing. And the thing is, there's this one turn where you, you get over to Upper Montclair, but I only, I don't really, I'm not super familiar where that turn is. So I, I missed the turn. And I wound up in this, uh, I, tur- I turned into this uh, huge shopping plaza there. Um, and uh, that's where the today's uh, cover art came from. Um, I took a picture as the sun was setting. There's cool, like, y- like sort of reds and oranges in the sky. We'll uh, check out the show art a little bit later. But, yeah, that, that's where that picture uh, came from. And then I, uh, I found the right turn, went home through uh, Upper Montclair and back the same way. And that, w- that was my trip. And I have to say, I really do think that was uh, one of the coolest trips to the supermarket ever. And it was kind of reminiscent to one of those random journeys, just using the number 209. It really felt like that. It's sort of like this world has this hidden potential of interesting adventures all around us. That it's, sometimes it's very hard to get access to that as a sequence of events. And uh, I was not using 209, per se, you know, as I sort of... Stopped that whole thing, and I, I, I tried to get away from being obsessed with 209. But uh, anyway, it was very reminiscent, and uh, I've, I really loved going to Kinlon Mall. And, uh, yeah, we're going to check out these products uh, that I got there. So when I, te- I texted Peter and Brian the picture for my shopping cart, I said I picked up a few zonal items because in the past we would buy things at stores, you know, like foods and food and drinks and games, and then go somewhere and, you know, have the stuff and have the food and drinks and snacks and play the games and stuff. 
So these are like zonal items using the uh, nomenclature of the past. So here I have everything. I, I, I don't have the... Uh, I don't, I don't need the dishwashing liquid. No, the, uh, the laundry detergent. That's, that wasn't one of the zonal items, but... Yeah, this uh, cereal, Flax Plus, this is not really a zonal item, but... This is one of the few cereals that actually says vegan on, by the ingredients. That's why I buy it. Because this place also will say vegetarian if there's, uh, you know, dairy or honey in it. So, it's hard to find vegan cereal. You'd think cereal would be, be vegan, but, you know, I don't know. Here's the... Uh, Atomic Atomic Coffee Roasters has the atom symbol, uh, and you can smell. There's that sort of you can smell the the coffee inside. I get yeah yeah. It has that 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 little air hole thing in the back. I guess ah oh my god. If you squeeze it, like mm, the wonderful scent of roasted coffee beans. Mmm. What does this What does this say? The region is Nicaragua and Honduras. Their varietal is bourbon, catamore, and catuai. <laughs> what? And here's what it says. Be atomic. Oh, the, and to open it, it says blast off. You open it up to get the, little, uh, get the little seal open. Be atomic. Great coffee is important. Great energy is contagious. At Atomic, our mission is to spread positive energy over two decades. Our family has used coffee as a catalyst for inspiring community relationships and adventures. We dedicate ourselves to the quality of our work and elevating coffee experiences. The coffee in this bag has made quite the journey from origin, so we roast only in small batches with our focus on emphasizing its unique and exciting characteristics. We hope it helps you find the energy you need to conquer your day, crush your workout, or kickstart a journey of your own. AtomicRoastery.com. Well, they're from Salem, Massachusetts. That's a synchronicity because at, on game night, uh, our neighbors were talking about Sa a trip they made to Salem, Massachusetts. Wow. Synchronicities abound. Yes. But anyway, the main zonal items that we would have used on an actual zonal trip. Uh, let's check this out here. The, this is the Daya... Cheese sticks, C H E E Z E, the dairy style. So it's these orange che uh, fake cheese mass sticks, and it's new and improved. I know Daya is getting better, but they've always had this reputation, at least for me, of as kind of like uh, not the best uh, vegan cheeses. And it's called the Grab and Go plant-based cheese sticks. Daya cheddar style cheese sticks are an e equal, equally convenient and delicious dairy-free snack perfect for any on-the-go occasion. Individually wrapped and free from dairy, soy, gluten, peanuts, and eggs. It's sort of like the universal food. Anyone can eat it. These plant-based treats are a tasty and safe addition to any lunch or snack. Grab, unwrap, enjoy, repeat. So this is very safe. <laughs> this is very safe sticks. Yeah, I already had a couple of these. I couldn't wait, but uh, yeah, they're individually wrapped. It's kind of kind of cool. Like there's the stick, and it's sort of this plastic wrapper that you can peel. Let's open it up here. Cheese sticks. I like this. If I, get, if I can't get my baby bells, I'll get this. Listen, I may follow a vegan diet, but I, I still love weird junk foods. Okay, please. Let's try it. it, it 
I mean, it smells slightly like American cheese, that kind of smell. I mean, American cheese is not vegan, I suppose, but it's very processed. Let's try this out here. Mmm. It's it's like halfway there. It's The taste is not great, but it has a good texture. And it's a freaking cheese stick. So what do you want? I get it again. I love it. Yum yum. Vegan cheese sticks. Mmm. It's so weird because on the front it just says plant-based, but then there's a little tiny thing in the back that says vegan. I know a lot of food companies or restaurants, they're scared of using the word vegan. I think because of the, the politic, the political side of veganism, right? There's a certain ex- extreme aspect to it that turns people off. I understand that. It's just a lot of pl- plant-based is so vague, like... Our food is based on plants, but includes a little bit of meat on the side, you know? Like there was this, I was researching food halls in New York, and this one place is called like the plant-based uh, bonanza or whatever else it's called. And everything, there's like eggs, like fr- like um, hard-boiled eggs and stuff. I'm like, what the hell are they, this is not vegan. It's plant-based. Got to be careful with that plant-based thing. Yeah, there was another drink I got, <laughs> it was plant-based that it had honey in it. That, that ain't that ain't plants. That's that's insect juice. That's that that's like, you know, it comes out of bees. It's not it's not uh it's not vegan. It's not plant based. It's insect based. Anyway, now we have here Starry. Of course, apparently it's been out for a while. If Brian is he is is has already been having it for a while, I guess he was a big fan of uh, Sierra Mist. He said this is not as good as Sierra Mist, but it's okay. So yeah, they I guess they created this the logo and the name for Gen Z, the young adults of today. I guess I guess they I guess they really didn't resonate with Sierra Mist. Which always is a bit of a diff- weird difficult name for a drink. Starry. Or would you pronounce it Starry? I don't know. Or Stray. Stray. I don't know. Starry. Starry, Starry, or Starry. Because someone stares too much. Oh, you're being very starey today. Stop staring at people. <laughs> you're starey. It has a great logo, I will say. Um, very well designed logo. Obviously done by uh, branding professionals. Uh, yellow and green and black. And it has the word starry. In kind of a stylized sans serif. Italic. With some... Uh, those sort of, you know, like diamonds, but each each side is sort of almost, almost like this pixie dust look. It's sort of a lemon on the top, a lime on the bottom. It's a great logo. Great logo. Caffeine-free lemon-lime flavored soda with other natural flavors. Crisp, clear burst of lemon-lime flavor. Scan to unlock. What? Should I unlock the potential of Starry? The ingredients are carbonated water, high fructose corn syrup, citric acid, natural flavor, which is always the annoying mystery ingredient, but they also have natural flavor in the dye, so, you know. Potassium benzoate that preserves freshness, potassium citrate, and calcium disodium EDTA to protect flavor. 
I have no idea. This it should be vegan. I hope. I, I hope they didn't throw any meat in here. StarryLemonLime.com. There's two different QR codes on here. All right, Smart Label. Okay, that that's just giving you the uh, fact. L- l- let me try to scan this little tiny QR code and see where it takes us to unlock the mystery of Starry. Let's see. Oh, it just takes us to StarryLemonLime.com. Starry hits different. I said that that's their concept: a crisp, clear burst of lemon lime flavor. What is this? These weird, these two characters. One is a lemon with lime eyes, and one is a lime with lemon eyes. It says, watch now. Is that, that that's their spokes characters? Let's see. Every single morning, I take a cannabis gummy and go for a walk. Well, they had to bleep out the word cannabis? How I can function after. The great thing about They're at a basketball game? Starry. It's a new lemon lime soda that's crisp, clear, and... It's a basketball player made out of Starry. It's a liquid man. Wow, she's kissing the man made of Starry, and then she she drank him all down. So they have a deal with the NBA, the National Basketball Association. All right, let's just try this stuff out here. I normally don't have these kind of drinks, but for this one, I make an exception because I, I read an article about this this new drink star. It's kind of exciting when there's a new drink out, right? So just uh, smelling it here. It actually has a pretty good uh, scent. Lemon lime. So drinking it here. The flavor I would describe as, as a light touch flavor, but you can't avoid that sort of annoyingly sort of round, uh, sweet tone of the um, of the high fructose corn syrup. It just it kind of like ruins everything as a part of it, in my opinion. Um, but this is not bad. There's something, I mean, I do like the lemon-lime flavor that they came up with for this one. Um, as I said, I don't, I don't normally drink these drinks. I'll, I mean, I would rather, much rather drink a lemon-lime seltzer than this is like a lemon-lime seltzer. It's clear, but it, it just has the, the high-fructose corn syrup, which is unnecessary. And I do have another beverage review for later, or maybe next episode. I finally got some Clearly Canadian. Oh, my God. But uh, we'll we'll deal with that. We'll we'll deal with that later. Okay. Starry. It's not bad. I mean I have to imagine I haven't had Seven Up in a while. Apparently Seven Up did a rebrand as well, the new logo. I always remember their upside down seven up called DNL. <laughs> that was a cool drink way back when. Um But this is alright. Hopefully Gen Z will uh well, I don't know. I would uh, is Gen Z like into into healthy more healthy things? I don't know. I don't know if sugar water is necessarily the best drink, but anyway. It's a good logo, Starry. It's a good name. I mean, uh I wonder what the whole process was. They must have spent millions developing the name and the logo and everything. This is Pep PepsiCo, the Pepsi company. Yeah. 
Anyway, finally, these very strange playing cards. Now, um, as I mentioned, I talk about quite a bit now. I invented a solitaire game called Flea Devil Solitaire that I play a lot. And really, I love playing it with different decks of cards. And some are better than others. This is, you know, this has like a, uh, a built-in rack hook kind of thing. So, so it was on one of those metal poles. Not a pole, but you know in a store when there's products that there's like a metal stick and then you put the product you hang it on there it has that built in it's from mattel games wild twist playing cards by uno so they're somehow invoking the name uno right which is basically this incredibly popular crazy eights variant that uh everyone has and every all the kids love it because it's so easy to play (coughs) and here's what it says in the back This 60-card deck includes a standard deck of 52 cards, eight wild cards with special rules to change up classic games like Go Fish, Poker, Gin, Rummy, and more, plus a special game designed exclusively for this deck. And then you can another QR code to scan. All right, let's scan this QR code. Scan for more info. (coughs) Let's see. So it has 60... Regular cards and three information cards. So I was hoping I could play uh, Flea Devil with this, but as it turns out, well, the cards themselves are not well made. But let me just scan this for now. Scan this QR code. It's a little tiny QR code. Somehow it works, though. Let's see. It's just a video about Wild Twist. But what about the rules? Oh, okay. So they're just showing, they're just showing the game, which is, which is, uh, it's like sort of, what is that game? I ran into that game too. It's like a slapjack kind of game. Like each player plays a card. And then if there's a wild card, you got to slap down. I remember we used to play slapjack when we were kids. You, you just put cards down until you saw a jack, then you had to slap it. And you, then you got all those cards. You know that whole thing? Remember that whole thing? But what's the name of that, the game I'm thinking of? Uh, how did I run into it recently? Ah, Hold on, I'll look, I'll look for it. Yes, it's called Egyptian Rat Screw. Somehow I ran across this game. Egyptian Rat Screw. A modern American card game of the matching family and popular with children. The game is similar to the 19th century British card game Beggar My Neighbor. Yeah. Egyptian Rat Screw. This <laughs> is kind of an interesting name. So they, what they have is pretty much the same game as Egyptian Rat Screw, but I guess they don't want to call it that because it sounds kind of... That, that name doesn't sound good for a big corporation because there's a lot of stuff going on in that name that you don't want to be associated with as a corporation. Um, do they say where this name came from? Egyptian rat screw. Oh, you know what? It was, I don't know what, what the heck it was that I saw, but it was someone created a, a variant name of Egyptian rat screw, like Syrian mouse screw or something. I forget, I forget where I saw it though. Um, yeah. Anyway. A lot of people are looking for the origin of this name. 
someone says it's a combination of the game Egyptian War and the game Rat Screw, which were basically the same game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. So let's take a look at these cards. So, you know, we live in an age of ultra-premium uh, playing cards. In fact, if you just buy a, the basic deck of bicycle playing cards, it has this satin finish. So all the cards flow smoothly. So if you're holding the deck in your hands, as I do with my Flea Devil Solitaire, um, you can just smoothly riffle through them and the cards don't stick together. Now, Mattel, I suppose, decided to go cheap and uh, these cards are of a poor quality. So as I'm trying to just, you know, browse through the deck, the cards are all sticking together and it's pretty much impossible to play Flea Devil with this deck. But anyway, they have uh, these eight wild cards, and some, some of them have red and... And these cards are kind of annoying because they're either red or black. You know, the whole card is red or black, I guess, depending if it's a spade, club, heart, or diamond, obviously. And then there's a wild cards of each suit, and then there's a wild cards of each color, and then there's the general wild cards, so... Anyway, it, this could be a cool idea, except that it's there's such poor quality cards. Um, I can't do much with it. I tried playing Flea Devil with it, and I just gave up eventually. Guide to the Wilds. Okay, here's here's your guide to the wild cards. You have a wild, any card, any value, black wild, any value, club or spade, red wild, any value, heart or diamond, and then you have a wild club, wild heart, wild spade, and wild diamond, which are can only be wild of that suit. So this is, it's kind of an interesting gaming concept, um, but they need to make better quality cards because this is, you know, as, I, as I've gone through dozens of decks of cards recently, and this is one of the worst ones I've, I've found lately that really low quality cards. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, it's an interesting idea. And, you know, as I do need three wild cards for Flea Devil as we use 55 cards, I thought this would be perfect. But the best laid plans of mice and Egyptian, of men and Egyptian rats may often go astray, yada, yada. What do you want? There's the zonal items reviews. Anyway, in other news, today is Mardi Gras. And here is a live camera from uh, New Orleans. Earthcam Live, Mardi Gras, New Orleans balcony view. So. We're here looking down on, uh, I guess, one of the main drags there in New Orleans. I've never been in New Orleans. Um, and there's everyone walking by. It looks pretty warm down there. People wearing shorts and T-shirts. But a live view of Mardi Gras. The celebration. There's people w wearing weird deer horns. I know it's sort of Mardi Gras is related to uh, Christian or Catholic uh, traditions. Was it Lent? Ash, tomorrow's Ash Wednesday, right? Where you, where you can get ashes on your forehead if you're in that religion. I've never gotten that. I'm not in any religion, so. But it became this weird um, <clears throat> carnival, right? Carne. Does that mean the, uh, like the end of eating meat? I guess you're supposed to become vegetarian or something during uh, Lent. You have to give up meat for Lent or something. But it, be, it becomes this weird, like, celebration with these grotesque puppets and 
weird like secret society. I don't really understand it. I, I always get kind of uncomfortable thinking about this whole thing. Like, I don't know much about it. But purple and what is it? Colors like purple and yellow and green. The Mardi, Mardi Gras colors. What is that guy? He has some sort of weird... <laughs> this guy pushing this weird computer bench down the street. We're watching live. People wearing all sorts of face paint and dressed up. And Mardi Gras. Oh, wow, there's some women with colored hair sitting there having a drink across the street. It reminds me of those weird, like, purple wigs the women wore in, in space on Space 1999. Remember that? Were they aliens or something? Oh, my God, here's a girl dressed up as a, a weird cat burglar with pink and, and purple stripes. This is wild. I enjoy it. I feel like I'm at Mardi Gras. Whoa, this woman just threw something off the... What the hell? She's like hurling something. What's going on here? People wearing those beads. Oh my god, that guy has a... Oh my god, it's really scary, like... Bird... One of those weird bird masks. <laughs> he has to lift up his bird nose to drink, and he has a skeleton shirt on. This is a wild scene here. What the hell is this? A weird little, like, outhouse thing being pulled by this bicycle... That is wild. Yeah. What is inside there? People are trying to look inside. <laughs> Mardi Gras, of course, means Fat Tuesday in French. Uh-oh, the woman just went inside the little booth. What is going on in that booth? Oh, my God. There's a, there's a whole lot of going on here. Some sort of portable booth of some sort with a gr grotesque gold mask on it. Oh, look, here's like a hot uh, a hot dog, uh, <laughs> a little hot dog vendor thing. Lucky dogs going down the street. What is going on here? I would never have known it was Mardi Gras, but my wife reminded me. Because she has Mardi Gras at work, and she works at activities in a nursing home. Someone dressed up in a weird mo red monster costume. <laughs> Almost like some sort of grotesque variant of Elmo the Muppet. Purple hair. Wow. It's a whole scene down there in New Orleans. It, it, I find it hard to believe that New Orleans like really exists, but it's there. It's always been there. Well, for a couple hundred years at least. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I should go there sometime. I remember my brother was there. And we, we talked to him live on the show. This is years ago. He was, he was at Mardi Gras. I don't know if it was at Mardi Gras or just New Orleans, but he said it was like uh, everyone was dressed up as pirates at that point. Oh, my. Here's someone dressed up as... I can't even tell. Like, oh, they're dressed up as whiskey bottles, like fireball whiskey. And they just moved the camera, too. Great. Just a lot of people walking by. Nice. Well, there's Mardi Gras for you. Maybe someday I'll go there. I don't know. Just, I don't know. I don't know. It's really not quite my uh, my scene, not quite my, my vibe, but I don't know. I could check it out at some point. Oh, here's what it says. It's Mardi Gras, and Earth Cam will be bringing you live celebrations from the Big Easy. 
Watch EarthCam's live glimpse into the life of one of the most exciting cities in the United States, New Orleans. Anyway, in other news, I'm listening, finally listening to Exploding White Mice, the Australian uh, punk band. This is A Nest of Vipers, a six-track mini LP from 1985, right? Exploding White Mice. Uh, I never knew, this is a very obscure band, but somehow it's Exploding White Mice are mentioned on that Anything But Monday show. We had this whole thing where, like, of course, me and Mad Mike, we were sort of, like, against everything and... We weren't into like the, what we thought that it was called progressive music. It was just sort of new wave. It was whatever the new music was. It certainly wasn't progressive rock, but we, some people at the station called it progressive music. We totally misunderstood, and we sort of threw exploding white mice. We're like, we hate these bands, like exploding white mice. So we had this whole segment. I'll see if I can find it where we, uh, we pretend to smash all the records. This is what we think of exploding white mice. But this sounds pretty good, right? I never never heard of exploding white mice before. Definitely a little uh, Ramones kind of inspiration there. From Greasy Pop Records, Adelaide, South Australia. But I never heard the band before. It's just... We mentioned it on the show. I'm going to see if I can find, I'll find that clip. Exploding white mice, yeah. We really were like, uh, we enjoyed being against everything and being like a-holes about everything. All right, where is, where is the, uh, where is it? Where is it? What happened to it? Hold on a second, I'll find it. All right, I found it. So th- we actually had a cart that we made that, where we said, hey, this is what we think of progressive music, and then all the smashing sounds. I really don't remember that. I, I love, I lo- now I love progressive rock. I don't know what the heck we were talking about. Hey, this is what we think of progressive music. Here we go, Frank. Here we go, we're off. Here we go, all floating white mice down the tubes. Country albums, here we go. Oh, here we go. I can't believe I just heard exploding white mice for the first time, like, today, you know? John Denver, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alabama, Alabama too. But, but then we're doing the country albums, yeah. Subject people to it. Freaking this record. One more, wait here. Uh, you too. You too. Car, yeah, Carson. Thanks for being. Anyway, you get the idea. I don't know what we had against Exploding White Mice. They sound like quite a, quite a wonderful band. Don't you think? Yes. So yeah, Mike uh, texted me on uh, Friday that it was happy anniversary, 37th anniversary. There's just something about that number, 37. There's just 37 years ago was that, was that Monday morning when we started our show. And uh, so I figured I should do something. So... Um, I do have these, uh, we made these compilation cassettes, uh, probably in 87 and 88, two cassettes that we released in very limited quantities. So I figured I would draw on those and, uh, you know, uh, with some selections and put together uh, a montage of our, some bits, some, I mean, some of it is pretty cringy, but 
what do you want? It was some of my earliest radio work, so it's pretty interesting. And um, so yeah, it's Tapeland 168, anything but Monday 30th anniversary special, 1986 to 1988 is the name of it. And uh, I, I also mentioned as a PS, a fooning bonus. I said, here's a video of walking around an amusement park in Tokyo. I was watching while listening to the audio. So yeah, while I was going through the audio, I was just watching this video of just wandering around this. Um, it's, it's next to the Tokyo Dome, I guess the baseball stadium. There's like this amusement park area with a roller coaster and these rides and, and stuff. And I, I linked to the YouTube video because, you know, fooning is kind of this idea of doing something while you're listening. So you can recreate my fooning of listening to this ABM special while watching this video. What's the name? Let's see what this video is named. Fairly recent, too. Uh, Tokyo Nightwalk Korakuen, Japan. Just four days ago. This is very recent. This is, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a cool area. And I like the part where they walk through the supermarket. <laughs> it's just you walk all through this supermarket in Japan just this past week. And uh, the rides and stuff. There's like one of those, here's like an arcade they go in. You know, one of those like Viking boats that goes back and forth, like the pirate boat, you know, that kind of ride is very cool. I just watch it with the sound off while I'm listening to anything but Monday. So you can experience that fooning experience. And also, there were some synchronicities. Uh, for example, um, at one point I thought I was, I was going to play a song, but then Mike plays Help by the Beatles. And that's a synchronicity because this week we're doing Help on Overnight Escape Central. And also, we mentioned uh, Joey Suzu. You know, remember those commercials? The guy, I, I'll, I'll see if I can find any. I mentioned it on last episode of The Overnightscape, and then it's mentioned here in, in the special. So, let me see. Joey Suzu. The great David Leisure. That, that's his claim to fame. Being, uh, he, he's a liar. Kind of like... Um, was that Tommy Flanagan on uh, Saturday Night Live? What's his name? Um, oh, what's that guy's name? Who he, He's like, yeah, that's a ticket. My wife, Morgan Fairchild. So that was like a very comedic thing back then, uh, different lying characters. That's like their comedic bent. What was it? This car only costs one dollar. <laughs> Something like that. Where is Joe Isuzu? Jimmy, Bobby. Nah, 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 nah. It was a very popular ad campaign that's been pretty much forgotten by now. rated one of the best of the best by Car and Driver magazine. It gets 94 miles per gallon city. He's lying. Its top speed is 300 miles per hour. And Isuzu dealers have millions in stock. So they're selling them for $9. And if you come in tomorrow, you'll get a free house. You have my word on it. 5.9 annual percentage rate financing. See, that's very dangerous because there's been all those lawsuits. Uh, people, uh, even though the captions underneath say he's lying, but imagine if someone just heard that and didn't see the disclaimers, they could sue them. I want a free house. I want to buy a car for $9. Like, no, it's Joey Suzu. He's, a, he's an asshole. He lies all the time. The Isuzu dealer for details. Hi, 
I'm Joey Susu. Here in my factory, I equip these eye marks with millions of standard features, like a breakfast nook, twin satellite dishes, and for those kids, a frozen yogurt machine. Prices start at $69.99 with 5.9% financing. And if you miss eight or nine payments, that's okay. I trust you. The Isuzu iMark. Your bank may feel otherwise. 5.9% financing. Van Giorno, I'm the world's greatest race car driver. Recently, I had a little problem here at Monte Carlo. So I switched to this $200,000 Formula Isuzu. It comes with driving gloves and a pit crew, all standard. It's so fast, it will go from Paris to Rome in two minutes. And the bank gave me 5.9% financing just because they like my face. The Isuzu Impulse, now for a limited time with 5.9% financing. Isuzu Trooper 2. It's four-wheel drive can take you anywhere. Remember the Isuzu Trooper. I drove it up here myself. It has more seats than the Astrodome, plus enough cargo space to carry Texas. And Isuzu will accept marbles and seashells as payment, but they're selling fast, so you have to come in in five minutes. You have my word on it. Right. That I mean, like, yeah. All the can you imagine if someone tried to do this same kind of ad campaign? All the lawsuits that would happen. I, I mean, somehow they got away with it back then. Um, is Isuzu even still a thing? I, I mean, I I don't have much of a sense of Isuzu anymore. Did they go out of business? Are they still around? I I don't really know. Isuzu. Hmm. Yeah. Commercial vehicles. Light service. Eh, I don't know. It looks like they're kind of out of business. I don't, l- l- let me uh, let me look this up. What's David Leisure going to do without Isuzu? What are, are Isuzu cars still made? Isuzu Motors is a J- Japan-based automaker. While this automotive company has vehicles in other markets, it no longer sells new cars in America. Hmm. So when did when did it leave America? Let's see. I yeah, I I felt like I hadn't seen anything about them in in recent recent times. Uh, let me see. Uh, how about their Japanese website? History. No, no. Okay. I'm trying to skim this article. I, I mean, uh, hmm. They have a thing called the Vihi Cross. I kind of remember that. Vihi Cross. This looks kind of cool. The production version of the Vihi Cross was. Via Cross was introduced to the U.S. in 1999, but met with mixed reviews, and its high price tag, unique styling, and two door configuration did not seem to meet the market demands. Production of the Via Cross and other sport utility vehicles, including the Trooper, ended in 2001 as part of a major financial reorganization, which eliminated almost 10,000 jobs. GM had been pushing the company to focus exclusively on producing commercial vehicles and engines. The number of Isuzu dealerships in the U.S. began a rapid decline, and by 2005 had only two models, the Ascender and the I-Series pickup truck. At this point, Isuzu in the U.S. was primarily a distributor of medium-duty trucks such as the N-Series. Hmm, 
Yeah, all right. So I, I guess around that time, they just kind of like collapsed in the U.S. market. But what about this Via Cross? I, it, it looks kind of cool. I don't. I, I really don't see those around. They must be collectible at this point. Let me see. How much would an Isuzu Via Cross co- cost these days? There must be a Via Cross. Uh, ooh, I can buy. What? You can get an Isuzu Via Cross Hot Wheels car for two hundred and sixty-nine dollars. What the hell? You can get a 3D model. How about the actual car? $1,145. Okay. Can't be in that good a shape then. Via Cross. Wow, look at that. It looks pretty cool though. Alright. Yeah. Let's look at their Japanese website. They're creating a sustainable society. Let's view in English, shall we? I don't know. It doesn't. It looks like they're just doing commercial vehicles, even in Japan. With the Isuzu Car Library, you can look at all the cars they've ever made. Hmm. Even from like back in the 1940s and stuff. Wow. Uh, where's the V across? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're. <coughs> yeah, they're not really doing cars anymore. Overseas mod. Oh, they're in Thailand. Okay, they're selling. Okay. Okay. They have the the Mux M U the M U X or the Mux. That's a cool car. Mm-hmm. That's about it. And then the D Max, a pickup truck. How about the Mux? The Isuzu Mux only costs five dollars. Where do you get this though? Thailand, <laughs> I guess. Hmm. Isuzu Mux. Let's see. It's also known as the Isuzu Panther in Indonesia. That's the truth. I'm not lying. As as Joey Suzu. Hmm. So it's sold in the in in Thailand, Philippines, and China. And in Indonesia, of course, it's called the. What did you say it was called? Whatever. The Panther. But then there's also the Isuzu Wizard. <laughs> I like that. The Isuzu Wizard. Where was this sold? North America. I, I didn't know you could get the Isuzu Wizard in North America in the past. Wow. Also known as the Chevrolet Frontera, Isuzu Amigo, Isuzu Rodeo, Isuzu Rodeo Sport, Isuzu Wizard, Holden Frontera, Holden Frontera Sport, Honda Passport, Opel Frontera, Opel Frontera Sport, Vauxhall Frontera, and Vauxhall Frontera Sport. The hell! This is like the universal vehicle. It, it, it's, it's, it's like the same car with all these different names. That's insane. What the hell's going on with Isuzu? Wild stuff, though. I like these Viacrosses, but yeah. Yeah. All right, on to other news. I have a decision to make. As you may know, uh, growing up in the 1970s, we went down to Disney World in Florida many times, and Disney World was quite a bit different back then, and they are some of my most cherished memories. There was a ride back then uh, called If You Had Wings, right? Let's see if we can find the uh, a video of it. There are some videos of it on, on YouTube. Yes, here's the ultimate edition of If You Had Wings, okay? 
So this was in Tomorrowland, and this was back when you had to pay a ticket, use a ticket to get into each ride, right? The A, B, C, D, and E ticket. And the best rides were E-ticket rides, right? So every time you went on the ride, you're, you're basically using up your tickets. But some rides were free because they had big corporate sponsors, like if you had wings, right? If you had wings was sponsored by Eastern Airlines, and uh, it was a dark ride where you travel the world, and it was one of my favorite rides back then. It left a real big impression. I used to go on it over and over again. I just love this ride, right? A flight of fancy through the world of Eastern Airlines, admission free. And it had this really uh, amazing theme song. And just as a dark ride, it was so great because they used a lot of uh, film loops like that. I guess it was 16 millimeter that was projected of all these different scenes. And you go in your little car, right? Here we are. Are we on the ride now? And this shut down, and I don't know when, like, I, I, we can look it up. In here. I guess it was still going. Hold on. Hold on a second. So it opened uh, June 5th, 1972, and it closed January 3rd, 1989. Okay, so I did go on it quite a bit. And then they changed it a few times, whatever. But nothing was as good as if you had wings. It was the greatest ride ever. And, um, you know, so many people never got to ride it because obviously a lot of people weren't around in 89 and or didn't go to Disney World, so. There's the loading area. Oh, I remember being here. Oh, God, it's just, there's, there's a certain feeling of Disney World at this time. I, I can't even describe it, but here we are on the ride. Right? It's these, these like, blue vehicles you go on. You enter the world of Eastern Airlines travel. Now, I know Tomorrowland was supposed to be all about things in the future, though this was basically based in the present. <laughs> but no one minded, as it's very cool. Air travel, very futuristic. Jet airplanes of the future. But there's something about the analog quality of these film loops they were showing. Actually using, like, film projectors... Uh, I think they were back projected on these different scenes, you know, with physic physical sets and stuff. If you had wings, right? Yes, and there's like, like you go down to Mexico, the Caribbean. There's like mariachi dancers, right? Right, and so the film loops were just really an amazing look people dancing and it was there were so many of them and that was sort of the it's so hard to describe there it is there's there's one where someone had caught a fish and the fish is getting bigger and smaller but being in this space with these sets like like a cruise ship yes there it is look there's the film loop and the fish is getting bigger and smaller i remember that but there is a quality to the the nature of these projected images that is so different than anything today and i just absolutely love this ride and then also the the wedway people mover that mag magnetic levitation uh, little train thing went through this ride and you can look down and see inside the ride from the other ride i was so impressed with that right anyway 
let me get a better version of the If You Had Wings song. I mean, uh... Where is it? Oh yeah, one of the big uh, Disney fan sites was called Widen Your World. You could fly to a plaza where the people play at a Mexican fiesta in the land of Olay. If you had wings, if right. Anyway, apparently what happened was uh, when it was time to demolish the ride, there was no sentimentality or thought that any of the pieces of the ride would be valuable to anyone, That right? In later years, of course, the collectability of such things was well-known, I, I would hope. But in 89, they essentially demolished the ride and threw out everything out like in a dumpster in the back. And uh, so all those films... We're just like in the garbage, apparently. And this guy retrieved them and has been selling them on eBay for years now. And uh, he occasionally puts them up for sale. And uh, I've always intended to get one. And there's one up right now. He only does one at a time. I think this is a guy. Yeah, this he's called Wide. Wide in Your World is, is his name. Um, he's selling a, a strip of film of the fish scene. Uh, really good one. It's about how many frames? One, five or six frames from the film. And uh, I just have to decide if I'm going to buy it or not. I have never bought one before. It used to come in more of like a wall art thing. Now it's just a little backing card that says if you had wings, f- sport fishing scene. I I, I can't really, I, I don't, I want to buy it, but I don't want to buy it at the same time. I feel like I don't want to pull the trigger just yet. $45 plus $6 shipping. So it's, do I want this? Like, cause I have bought stuff like this in the past and it just, then I just stick it in a drawer or whatever in a box and I never look at it again. But just to have a piece of that ride that was such an important part of my childhood. Now, I don't know if they had multiple copies of these movies cause they're showing them, you know, hours and hours every day. They must've worn out eventually. I don't know if this is the one, but this is the one that they threw in the dumpster when the whole thing was done, right? Does he talk about it here? Item is an actual piece of film from If You Had Wings, the Eastern Airlines-sponsored ride from Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. The attraction operated in Tomorrowland, which ran from 1972 to 1987, and from 87 to 89 as If You Could Fly, same ride, no sponsor. Ah, yes. The ride, which used dozens of projected film images and props to depict travel destinations serviced by Eastern, was a favorite of park visitors and remains greatly missed. The item available here is several frames of the film removed from the ride during its demolition. Sadly, this film was destined for a dumpster, but portions of some reels were successfully rescued by a former Walt Disney World cast member and kept safe for over 30 years. The frames depict the prominent sport fishing vignette from the ride's Caribbean port scene. A proud fisherman stood beside his catch while his wife tried to get a good photo, which was tricky because the fish kept growing and shrinking. A fish story in real time. 
The scans of the film are a little blurry here, but the images on the film itself are, are sharp. So, at this moment, no one else has bought it. I, these usually go fast, so. But I've been buying a lot of junk lately. I don't know if I can justify buying this uh, piece of film here. Urgh, I can't choose. I guess it's better not to. You know what I mean? I, I Yeah, but it just, there's the film. Is it, I can't even tell. It might actually be 8mm film. It looks very, very small. I don't think it's 16. Maybe it's 16. No, I think it's 8, actually. Hmm. But just to have something that was there, it just, ugh. I can't decide. I can't de Listen, I, got, I, I can't spend money on all this crap all the time. Come on. Even if it is a pretty groovy, uh, pretty groovy uh, piece of uh, Disney history that, you know, I'm someone that cares a lot about it, and there's other people that would care a lot about it, but for a lot of people, this piece of film would be completely meaningless. Because they weren't, they didn't go on the ride, and they didn't experience it the way I did. Anyway, in other news, um, you know, over the years, I've gotten tons of emails from these various companies that are trying to get me to buy their services for podcasting. Let's say, right? There's always endless series of these podcasting companies that provide whatever service, and they'll send out like mass emails. And, uh, you know, usually I always say, you know, if they actually said something about my show, I might respond. But you can tell it's just this mailing list. They probably are finding just this massive list of podcast emails and just sending out email blasts of tens of thousands so they can't describe each show. And, I mean, I, I, I don't get that many anymore. I'm sort of really out, out of the loop in terms of the modern podcasting scene. But I was into it more in the early days. But um, I got one of those kind of emails recently from someone who did actually seem to at least listen to some of one of these shows, right, of, of The Overnight Skate, because they actually described it. Someone named Jenny from some company that will remain un, unmentioned Um so I was actually super impressed. I wrote back, uh, Hi, Frank. Your unique blend of ambient soundscapes and stream-of-consciousness monologues is both mesmerizing and entertaining, and I appreciate the way you take your listeners on a journey through your mind and the world around you. Keep up the amazing work. Right? And then goes on to the commercial pitch of you using this particular podcasting service. Um, and then they just, they, I guess this is something they do. They, they, they keep sending follow-up emails. These are people in sales. They're just trying to, you know, close a sale of some sort. Um, but I, I think it, I mean, it must have taken Jenny, uh, at least a few minutes to listen to, you know, the first few minutes of, uh, of an episode. I, this, what she wrote there does actually does actually describe the show pretty well. So I, I did write back. Uh, you know, it's basically for commercial purposes, advertising. So I wrote back, I said, you know, my show is non-commercial, probably not a good fit for your service, you know. But anyway, I was very impressed that they actually wrote something about my show in, in one of these sales emails. Um, but yeah, we're non-commercial here, so it's not really. And I know that's very rare to have a non-commercial project. Everyone's trying to make a buck after all. But uh, there's something to be said for keeping your day job when it comes to this stuff. 
Because then you can have total freedom in your creative pursuits, right? Yes, I, I just want to hear more of this song. You could fly to Bermuda. I want, I want to hear the part at the end where it said, You do have wings. Eastern Airlines, we will be your wings. Yeah, unfortunately it's on, it's on this video, but it's... Uh, you do have wings. Where the hell's the time machine when you need it? The hell, I gotta go back to Disney World in 1972. I think I was there around 72, 73 when I was a real little kid. That was the first time we went there. My mother was really into the whole concept of it and she must have read articles about it and we went down real early. And went down every couple years, it was great. But what would be the harm going there? I, I, I'm not gonna, I, I just wanna go to Disney World just step through some sort of time portal and, you know, depending on the technology, I guess you have to like make sure to wear clothes that aren't too anachronistic and get old, old currency or whatever. But maybe the technology would just sort of allow you to step through and the current money in your pocket and the current clothes you're wearing would just alter naturally to match the environment of the past. That'd be a, that'd be a neat trick. <laughs> Not have to worry about, you know, Oh my God, the the quarters in my pocket say 2022 on them. If anyone gets it in the past, they're going to freak out. And then the actual one's going to be minted. And if those two touch each other, will anything happen? I don't think anything would happen. They're just two copies of the same coin. I don't think the universe would explode or anything. Though probably better not to... That's not a good thing to have to test out because if the universe explodes, then it's game over, man. It's time travel. That it's, it's it's not that dangerous, is it? I hope not. And listen, if we're li if we're living in a computer simulation, time travel should be relatively easy. You just sort of go back in the database and you just re you know just whatever. Simple, yeah, real simple, real simple. And in yet other news, uh, comedian Richard Belzer had has died at age seventy eight. And I just remember Richard Belzer being a real, uh, he was a great guest on Howard Stern. He was on Howard Stern all the time. And I remember at, at one point he was on and he had just, he had gotten a, a part in a TV show where his name was Detective Munch and he was all, they were talking about how he was going to be a big TV star now. And I think he's the one that sort of, when he was do, bantering with Howard Stern, he would sort of quote Jack Benny. He's like, now wait a minute. And then I sort of picked up that from him. That he picked up from Jack Benny, and I, I don't—I I will say now. Wait a minute. It's become part of my speech patterns. But um, here's an evening at the Improv, uh, Richard Belzer stand-up from 1981. I—I I, I did not preview this. I don't know if it's funny, but let's see how the—they called him the Bells. I don't know how he died, but we'll look it up. Here he is, Richard Belzer. Here he is. But I love to come to Hollywood because, you know, I'm, I come from New York and it's just so different, you know. It's like you have to go to the Berlin School of Language to come here. You get off the plane in Hollywood and you see LAX. 
you know, lax. Like you have to go to the bathroom when you get off the plane. It's like, when you go to New York, it's JFK, you feel noble. Here you feel like, you know, let me read smog and wait for the earthquake, okay? Thank you. Did you feel the earthquake the other day? It was pretty scary. You ever notice when little kids are embarrassed, they always lift up whatever they have on, like little boys lift up their jackets and their sweaters, and three-year-old girls lift up their dresses. And I think we never should have stopped doing this as adults. <laughs> Say like you're a 25-year-old woman, you're going for a job, you don't think you're going to get the job, lift the dress over your head and say, I want the job. I do do job. kids do that? I don't even, that doesn't even, is that something from the 80s? Uh, I don't really, I don't know kids lifting up their shirts and stuff. It's not funny. Come on, Bells. What the hell's going on here? The standards of comedy were different back then, okay? Oh, look at me. I'm such a mess. You ever notice that with people in L.A., the people that are born here, not people, so most people that are here moved here from somewhere else, but the people that are indigenous to this place are like, they're Darwinian, you know, they're like orangutans, so they all do this. Oh, wow, L.A., wow. Avocado, wow. You from New York, wow. Every time I come to Hollywood, they say, Richard, you talk too fast. I say, you listen too slow, Sparky, okay? Watch 60 Minutes, read a book, catch up. Okay, thank you. And our president is from Hollywood, isn't he? Ronnie? What a compassionate Reagan. dude he is. You know, Ronald Reagan, he's an, he was an actor. He's not really the president, he's playing... Yeah, also on that ABM special, we had a lot of uh, Reagan impersonations. Mike did Reagan. Well, hello there, Frank. Yes, I'm Ronald Reagan. The president. He's the guest host of the country for four years. That's a pretty good joke. I like, I like that joke, guest host of the country. You know what I would love? I would love for a flying saucer to land on the White House lawn. Wouldn't that be great? Reagan is like Goofy from Walt Disney. You remember Reagan during the Carter debates? Every time Carter put Reagan down, Reagan would go, there he goes again. <laughs> All right, I got to chuckle with that one. <laughs> there he goes again. So I would love for a flying saucer to land because you never notice that flying saucers always land in Devil's Crevice, Alabama. You know, it's like, and it's always the same farmer that sees the flying saucer. I mean, Henry Kissinger never saw one. They never land in the north. You know, it's always the south. I feel if a flying saucer wants to get coverage, land on the White House lawn, then they'll be surrounded by the media. Everyone on Earth will be able to see it. The military will surround it. Someone from Earth will have to greet the alien that departs from the ship, because Earth people are so diplomatic. And this alien, like 100,000 years ahead of us, come floating off the ship. Someone from Earth will come over to greet him and say, uh, excuse me, Mr. Alien, um, would you like a drink of water? Um, you want to go out with an IBM machine? Anything you want, just don't melt us, okay? Ben, for the Earth, a favor? Thank you. And then this creature from another world will speak to us all at the same time. People of the Earth, we have been in existence for billions and billions of years. We have traveled to the far reaches of the universe, and we have learned the three most important things of all. We will tell you these things once and only once, and then we will leave your puny planet. Number one, brush after every meal. Number two, don't go swimming until an hour after you eat. Number three, all aliens must register by January 31st. Thanks a lot. Have a good night.
Thank you, Robin. Hey, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I, there was a few chuckles. I, li I like the Reagan stuff, but, you know. Do we have that video of Reagan saying, well, there he goes again. <laughs> Reagan was the best. He was like the, like the most, the easiest president ever to make fun of, you know. Even, even more than, I know Trump, Trump's relationship with the comedians became very toxic, but Reagan was just a perfect comedic foil. Let's see. Ronald Reagan. There he goes again. There he goes again. By the way, Jimmy Carter's still alive, but he's entering hospice care now, so he's like 98. Okay. Here we go. Here's Ronnie. Any moment now. There's Governor Reagan again, typically, is against such a proposal. Governor? There you go again. <laughs> All right, there you go. Yeah, Carter is still, and, and everyone thinks, yeah. like, Carter is, like, has this great reputation. He's, like, this great guy. He's building people's houses. People, Everyone loves him, even though he wasn't really a great president. Um, but he's still, today, he's still alive and by far the longest-lived uh, ever, ever uh, president, 98. But, yeah, it looks like he's, he's going to be, be uh, heading off into the sunset soon because he's entering hospice care, which uh, that's that's pretty much the end. But if you're 98, you really can't complain. That's that's pretty good. I mean, you know, you lived a long life. Even Betty White only made it to 99, even though People Magazine printed that cover. Betty White is now 100, and then she dies. Can you believe that? Don't you think she should have waited a little bit until she actually turned 100 to, to release the magazine, you know? Anyway, listen, when you get up there, like my grandmother was 97. She did pretty well, you know. But then at some point, if, if nothing else kills you, you die of old age. You know, you can be perfectly healthy, and then you just die. Because, like, the body shuts down because of lifespan, you know. Yeah, kind of depressing. Very depressing. Let's go back to If You Had Wings. I want to I be uh, more, like, happy. All right, how about this? How about this auction? Is, is it still available? I want... I can't decide if I want to buy it or I do want to buy it, but I don't want to buy it. Anyway, today's episode is called Fantomo Circuit, and uh, as I mentioned, this is uh, an image I took when I when I had to take that U-turn on Twenty Three South. I was in the parking lot of that shopping center, and I looked over and I saw this uh, beautiful sunset. This kind of a hill there with the trees, and. Um, all morning this morning, I was really working on it, trying to do something with that image, and nothing was working. And finally, I just zoomed in on one portion of it with this uh, street light in the upper right, and a, a bit of the you see some of the sunset sky and the trees there, and some power lines. And uh, I thought that was really nice. And so I typed out the overnightscape in this font called uh, Cyberotica, which is um, which is a very cool font. I think it's completely obscure at this point. What was the... Who made Cyberotica? Yeah. Yeah. Designed by Barry Deck and published by Thirst Type. And once available through Village, it appears to be discontinued as of 2020. Yeah. But I know Barry Deck was a guy that made a lot of cool fonts, and it's just a cool kind of futuristic-looking font. He did a lot of fonts for the Emigre, like Template Gothic and uh, anything else... Well, Template Gothic, Citizen. Oh, he did Out West. I, I've always loved that font, Out West. 
Yeah. So anyway, um, and then I had to choose a title for the show, and uh, I didn't really know what to call it. Finally, I decided on Fantomo Circuit, and this you know I, this this takes a while for me to come up with these ideas. Um, I had in my notes I wanted to use the word Fantomo, uh, which is uh, Esperanto for phantom. I've had that in my my show title notes for a while, and um, I tried it out with a few different like Fantomo Road, Fantomo Avenue, Fantomo Way. Nothing was really working, but then I really figured that it's sort of like it could be another name for this this process of going on these weird little adventures, a Fantomo circuit, right? I really like that idea. So like what I did on uh, Sunday, I did a Fantomo circuit going to Kinlon Mall, then driving on 23 South, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so Fantomo circuit. But how do you say circuit in Esperanto? I should have, maybe I should have just made the whole thing Esperanto, right? Even though Esperanto annoys me because it has all those accents and they tried to fix it with Ido and, Right, but no one really speaks Ido. They only speak Esperanto. Let's see, what would it be in Esperanto completely? But it's the same word in Ido, and right. Uh, let's see, circuit. <laughs> Why is it C I R C U I T? Circuit. No, hold on a second. Here we go. We're doing a live translation here, English to Esperanto. Circuito, Fantomo Circuito. Yeah, that, I don't like that. I'll keep it with this Fantomo Circuit. And the font I used was, a, this is kind of a random font called Medicine Show. A cool font though. I don't know if it's a, it's just, it was on one of those fonts, 1001 sites or whatever. Anyway, that's the uh, that's the story with the show art today. I, I like how that came out. It took a while though. I I, I was trying all so many different variations, and uh, some of them come easy. Some of them take a little more work. But I like it. Fantomo Circuit. Hey, it's a bit later now, and I got some new shoes. You know, always on the lookout for new shoes, and I uh, I you know. Uh, only want to buy shoes that are vegan that don't have leather in them and I know that may sound like going a bit too far in terms of this vegan thing but and I will wear leather shoes I have leather shoes from before I became vegan <coughs> I'll wear them I, it's fine but if I'm going to buy something new if it's if at all possible I'd like to buy something that's vegan um, plus you know in this world of overwhelming choices uh, I, I I do find it actually kind of kind of pleasant to be able to narrow down my choices to just uh, you know like vegan shoes as opposed to looking at all shoes you know um, I do think that when it comes to this stuff it's a personal choice and you can be vegan and wear leather shoes or you can be plant based whatever anyway I found this online a company called Cariuma I've never heard of them before uh, but I bought the uh, OCA high all black canvas sneakers, and uh, there's just a black canvas high top sneaker, and uh, I got them the other day, and they're pretty good. Um, I wore them uh, yesterday on my trip to American Dream, and because they're new shoes, it kind of uh, chafed my pinky toes. But hopefully that'll that will uh, as 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 I as I break in the shoes, that won't happen anymore. Let me see what's in this this box here. Hold on a second. I remember there was some interesting stuff in here. 
all that sh all the junk that comes in a shoebox. Cariuma, good-looking, crazy, comfy, consciously made. We're here to show you a good time, so put us on and take us out. Pull this strip if you want to reship. What do they have in here? As a uh, premium, natural premium material, memory foam insole, textured toe cap, fully stitched outsole, perfectly weighted natural rubber. Hmm. When to wear the OCA? The OCA high has yet to meet an occasion it doesn't like. Late night pizza runs and birthdays in the park. Done. A little ankle support and a timeless look goes a long way. I am made with organic cotton, raw natural rubber, organic Momona oil, and cork. And then the, this little envelope here. And someone wrote Frank. And they actually wrote it out by hand. It's not like a fake, you know, like they have some fake handwriting they print out. No, this is real. Frank, thanks for making the planet greener with us. When you purchased your new pair, you also planted two trees in the Brazilian rainforest. Obrigado. That's thank you in Portuguese, right? To carry you and team. So I, I am resp I am saving the earth. Okay, I have two trees. Come on. I, I, I mean, I, I, I really, you know, can I get a picture of those trees? Like, are they gonna? Is, is there any further? Is there any further? Do, do I have any further involvement in? Like, like, can I, uh, can I name the trees or? I don't know. I, I'd, I'd like to. If, if they're my, are they my trees or just only in in name only? Like, I don't know. Anyway, so these shoes are good. They're very, you know, they're sort of just high top sneaker kind of things, and uh, I really do like them. But I do feel like they're kind of hard to get on. Um, so. I never had one before, but I bought a shoehorn to see, you know, I just went on Amazon. There's a metal shoehorn from Zomaki or Zomake, the Joy of Life shoehorn company. <laughs> yes. Why is a shoehorn the joy of life? Because it helps you put your shoes on? I, 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 see, I usually get these slip-on shoes that are super comfortable, but I do like, you know, like lace-up shoes too because you feel a little better in them. Oh, yeah, there's like a cork insole thing here. But anyway, I'm going to try to put these shoes on. It's been a struggle in the past. I don't know. I, we're going to finally see if this shoehorn will actually help. I don't even know how to use a shoehorn. I, I mean, I get the general concept. You slip it in. I don't know if it's going to help. I know I know you can undo the laces more, but it seems kind of annoying not to undo all the laces every time you put the shoe on, you know. Um, I even had a shoe problem when I went to American Dream. We'll get to that when I... We do the American Dream section, but let's see if this is really going to help. I don't, I don't know how to use this. You just sort of jam your, you jam your foot in there, or like, how does this, how does it work? I just don't know the proper technique of uh, shoehorns, but it, hmm, <laughs> I'm not making much progress here. I like this shoehorn though; it's a good one. Zomaki. It's like, it's like a smaller one. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm undoing the laces a little bit. Previously, I was just kind of going back and forth, back and forth. Is this going to get easier to go on? This is because I have another pair of high top sneakers that are equally difficult to put on. I like comfort and convenience, but uh, okay, okay. The back and forth thing with the shoehorn is actually working. Yes. Oh, wow. Thanks. All right. Let me try this other shoe. So this, this could really help. It's like it's sort of a hybrid method, right, of putting on shoes. It's really annoying. 
but I don't want all my shoes to be so easy. Some shoe difficulty is necessary in life. Okay. Okay. The You still got to kind of back and forth, but the shoehorn is definitely helping a bit. Is it helping? I think it's helping. I hope it is. Ah, this one's harder. Gosh. Alright, I think it helps. Shoehorn. Nice. Well, now that they're on, I guess I'll keep them on, even though it'll hurt my pinky toes. I need my, my pinky toes need to heal. I even had, I had trouble taking them off, too. Anyway, they're kind of they're kind of cool shoes though. I guess I'll leave them on for now. Why not? I'm sa- I'm saving Brazil for God's sakes. Okay, I gotta wear my shoes. So uh, going back to the uh, anything but Monday 37th anniversary. Um, I just want to let you know that Mad Mike has a new project. Now, you may remember I had a project with Mike back in 2007. That's a long time ago now, too. A premium podcast, a podcast that you have to pay to listen to. And we tried it out and uh, didn't really work out back then, but the shows we produced are very good. You can go back and listen to those first eight episodes. And uh, Mike does listen to, re-listen to them quite a bit. I just have a hard time going back and listening to those because it was a time in my life with a lot of highs and a lot of lows and... Uh, I have not really revisited them, but they're in the archive. Uh, ABM show uh, premium for free in the archive now. They're free now uh, as the uh, premium podcast thing didn't really work out. But anyway, I had to uh, set up the premium podcast mechanisms. And it was actually uh, back then it was a lot of work. It was um, all these different like services you had to subscribe to to manage the the payments and this and that. Um, but anyway, so Mike uh, contacted me, I don't know, a month or two back, saying if I if I knew anything about the premium side of things, I, and I really don't because this show here is non-commercial. We don't worry about that kind of stuff. But I did a little research. I figured it would be interesting to know what's going on out there and found a few options where they have these, there's these all-in-one options that you can use to um, do a premium podcast and they do all the work for you or almost all the work for you. So Mike chose one of those. And uh, the first episode is out. And you can you can check out... Uh, you, well, you have to subscribe, but you can check this out. <coughs> it is at draftchampionspod.com. So draftchampionspod.com. Draft, D-R-A-F-T, not the D-R-A-U-G-H-T, whatever that crap is. Uh, um. This is a fantasy baseball uh, podcast. So Mike's been doing this for a while now. And uh, he's known as Mike the Mouth. I'll read you what it says here. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll shit your pants. And you just might become a fantasy baseball draft champion. Welcome to the most entertaining, off-the-rails, and utterly outrageous fantasy baseball podcast in the industry today. Brought to you by the godfather of the National Fantasy Baseball Championship, the living legend himself, Mike the Mouth, and his Canadian consigliere, Zach Wax. And oh yeah, it's ad-free. So he has a song here which is uh, a parody of uh, ACDC's TNT, but it's MTM, Mike the Mouth. Let's see. (laughs) This is Mike's theme song now. 
I, I said it reminded me of that Mary Tyler Moore <coughs> TV logo. Remember with the little cat at the end? But yeah, this is his uh, theme song. Broadcasting from New Jersey. But you can check out that. The song is free to listen to. And here's what it says. <coughs> uh, this is an offer you can't refuse. The godfather of the NFBC, the hilariously outrageous Mike the Mouth, joins his Canadian consigliere Zach Wax for the Fantasy Baseball's industry's most entertaining podcast. Listen to MTM and Zach Wax cut through the bullshit to give you authentic and informative fantasy baseball advice with a humorous spin rate that will arouse even the most hardcore sabermetricians. What is that? If that's even possible. Subscribe now Subscribe now and listen to gain access to the exclusive Draft Champions Fantasy Baseball Entertainment Community Forums and become part of 100% free, ad-free listening experience like none other in the industry today. And it's four ninety nine a month. So anyway, you can uh, check that out. Now, of course, Mike is, uh, <coughs> he has a topic. It is fantasy baseball. So, something like these days, right, I don't have a topic. I talk about everything. But that makes it rather challenging to promote the show. So to have a topic is actually very good. I, I simply don't have one. But this, and I, you know, fantasy baseball is not something I've ever been involved with, but I'm sure in the fantasy baseball world, this is, a, 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 you know, something that would be very great. So if you're interested in that stuff, check out Mad Mike and his Draft Champions uh, pod, draftchampionspod.com. And very cool that he's he's doing it again. I wonder how it'll wor- work out. He's he's uh, doing another premium podcast. I always thought it was a good idea to do a premium podcast, but it just, uh, you know, what happened back then, it was just we needed more people, you know, and I don't think you know, it, it's one of those things, chicken and egg, you know, you're making more money, you need more people. You know, it, it was basically too much work, too few people, and everyone also had their day jobs, so it was kind of tough. Once you put money in, once you involve money in something, it's kind of, eh, yeah. Kind of rough. It's kind of it adds a whole new level of uh, difficulty to things. Money. Yeah. Anyway, as I mentioned, we had a a game night the other night, and uh, we played uh, one game of chronology, which is a game I love. It basically has historic events, and uh, you have to sort of guess the year. And the more cards you have in front of you, if you guess the year right, you'll have a bunch of cards could go from like like the 1300s to today and it's a new event like you know who invented the sh- when, when uh, the, the shoelace is invented what year is that you know and you have to say oh is it 1504 you got to think okay it'll be be between this date and this date i love that game um, cuz I, I i you know i i feel like i have a bit of a working knowledge of history um so I can sort of guess, but some things, of course, are, are more difficult than that. We also played a game called Bang. It, it's a card game, very interesting card game. Um, it's from Italy, and it's it's a Wild West game. Each person is secretly either an outlaw, a renegade, a deputy, or a sheriff, and the sheriff reveals themselves at the beginning of the game. And you have a bunch of cards representing guns and various things, and you have to sort of try to figure out who's who and attack shoot people and it's a whole kind of thing it was pretty wild we were just we were basically just learning it and because um, you know when it comes to games there's the more you know strategic games like that one as opposed to party games like a trivia or a charade type of thing 
it's a little different. So these games take a while to learn. So anyway, but I really did like Bang. So my, yeah, my neighbors uh, brought that over. It was pretty cool. And then um, uh, at some point over the weekend, uh, you know, I, I I use Android as my phone, and um, I was looking at. Uh, I like to look at like the you know the new board games that come out. I like the phone implementations of board games, card games, dice games. It can be kind of interesting. And I saw a Super Mega Lucky Box had just been released on on Android. It has a very cool logo. It looks like uh, that kind of children's like sort of children's logo art from the early seventies. Very cartoonish, solid colors with a black background back and. Uh, I, I remember seeing this. I remember seeing, um, I saw something about Super Mega Lucky Box uh, maybe last year, and I really did like the uh, the graphics, the kind of 70s graphics that were very common back then, but people don't really revisit too much. So, um, Didn't know too much about the game. I know it's in the it's like a roll and write, which is a new game genre that a lot of people don't, don't even know about roll and writes. I have a bunch of roll and writes on my phone, you know, uh, Nakamal and... Uh, that's so clever and a bunch. Let me see what what Roland writes do I have here. I have uh, Ganshon clever, Dobeltshow clever, clever Hackspel clever forever. Cartographers, Quicks, Hex Roller, Sagrada. Is that is that a roller? Quicks, Nachmal, Rollfort. Yeah, there's a lot of them. It's basically a genre where you're um, rolling dice or drawing cards or whatever, and then you're sort of filling in spaces on these charts. And it's a whole new game genre that um, may not be that familiar to everyone because it is kind of new. But anyway, I had heard about it, so I, I, I got it. It was it's a prem- it cost a few bucks to get it. But uh, Super Mega Lucky Box, basically you have these uh, cards. They're grids of numbers, three by three, and then... Uh, cards are drawn and so you sort of like here I have a six I have three cards right now and so it's like bingo you're, you're, you're trying to clear rows and columns and if you clear a row or column you get a reward such as you can clear another number or you get a lightning bolt or a moon or a question mark and uh, you keep trying to get it like a high score and this is a really fun game I really like it so I bought the physical version so I have that now too so hopefully on our next game night we can uh, play some super mega lucky box and uh, it's cool. I, I really enjoy it on the phone. I know it's on Android. I'm assuming it's on iOS. I'm not. I'm not sure though. It may be. In music news, uh, I am actually going to see Jack White uh, tomorrow. I think in in Brooklyn at Brooklyn Steel. That's the venue I went to uh, see Stereo Lab at. So I'm going to be going there tomorrow. I believe. Yeah. Uh, because he's going to be playing Saturday Night Live, I think, and uh, doing this one show. I really do like Brooklyn Steel, but there's no seats. It's all standing, but very cool venue. I, I loved seeing Stereolab there. Um, but the big news is uh, Fish, my favorite band, Fish, P-H-I-S-H, uh, is going to be having a big summer tour, including seven nights at Madison Square Garden in New York City, very close to me here, uh, probably the closest big venue to me here. Seven nights, uh, late July, early August, and mostly all in a row, but there's a few days off here and there. So 
I've never done it before. I've only actually gone to three fish shows in my life, which seems ridiculous as much as I like this band. I do buy the uh, streaming packages for the past couple of years, so I watch every show that they perform live from home. But I've always wondered, could I do one of these uh, extended runs? So seven nights, Madison Square Garden. So you go every single night. You go to Madison Square Garden. You're going to have the, like, uh, the same seat if you have a reserve seat or you have the, uh, you know, the, the pit area, the open admission, where, where do they call that? There's a word for it. It escapes me at the moment. But anyway, <coughs> um, I looked into this. I'm like, can I? should I go to all seven nights? Now, I don't really have anyone that I know that is as big a fish fan that can go to every single show. So I'm going to be going solo. I know it's very sad. But um, anyway, uh, you have to enter a lottery to get these tickets because, as you imagine, you know, fish is a strange phenomenon because most people I've talked to have either never heard of fish or may have heard of Fish, but never heard any of their music, have no idea what they're about. Yet, they're performing seven nights at Madison Square Garden, and, you know, it's a big place. Tickets are so in demand, there has to be a lottery system. And yet, people couldn't name a single song of theirs. Isn't that strange? It's, it's a very strange, absolutely, phenomenon. Um, so, I entered the lottery, so you basically have to choose, uh, you know... Um, Floor tickets. Yeah, floor. That's what they call it. Floor tickets. Or reserve seats, but you have no idea where your seat's going to be. And agree to pay for these tickets before, and you don't even know if you're going to get them. So I, I apply, you know, the price is not terrible. Um, it's a little under $100 a night. Obviously, it's rather expensive, but it's for a life experience that it will be quite wonderful. I think it'd be cool to do this. See, it's only going home that's kind of a drag because... I may have to try to do the train because because uh, it's right there. It's right there. It's right over, you know, Massacre Garden is right at Penn Station. Um, definitely tough to get, like, the uh, a good bus. But I'll figure it all out. If I'm going to go seven nights in a row, I'll have, I'll have to have a system developed, you know, for myself. And I did just go see them um, uh, a few months ago. I saw them at MSG, uh, their New Year's Eve show. Not New Year's Eve. A few days before New Year's Eve. So uh, hopefully uh, in a week or two, I will find out if I won the lottery and what what my seat will be. You know, of course, you know, I, even though it's not the best, best seat, I'm certainly hoping for Section 209. That's where I usually sit. And, you know, you can obviously I just talked all about 209. Uh, when I, tickets are available, I always try to sit in Section 209. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um I may even get like those crappy seats like behind the stage, and you know what? I'll I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it, um, and uh, I'm really looking, I'm really hoping. Now, if if I lose the lottery, that's not the end of the road, because you can resell these tickets. So someone is obviously going to be more expensive, though. So I, it, you know, as it is, when I went, that when I went, you know, I, I'm looking. Every time I've gone, I've, I've been in like the 130, 150 range. It's nothing crazy like $900, $1,200, for a seat. You know, but obviously under $100 is uh, much, much preferable. So if I don't get in, I'll see what's available. And, you know, it's just weird because then like if other people, have, like you're going to be seeing the same people every day you go if, if they also have seven, seven, uh, <coughs> seven day uh, tickets. So. Anyway, I'm very excited for this. I think I think 
uh, <coughs> I think it's finally time to do this, and uh, I think I can do it. You know, I know it's going to be tiring, but it's going to be tiring in a good way, I think. And of course, it's expensive. You know, every time you get a you get a beer there, it's like freaking fifteen, eighteen dollars for one beer. But what do you want? It's fish, okay? It's an amazing band. It's still the original lineup. They're they've been going for what like nearly forty years now, and um, you know, I, I it's just incredible. It's sort of like to me, they're a band. <coughs> you know, imagine if the Beatles were still around. They're still making new music. That's how I feel about Fish. Just an incredible band. And I know most of you probably never heard the songs and don't know anything about Fish, and they're very hard to get into, and people have a lot of preconceived notions about the band. But anyway, I think you, sh- you should check it out. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to. Oh, and by the way, uh, coming up this coming weekend, more Fish. They're going to be in Mexico. They're at that Mexican resort, uh, Riviera Maya in uh Quintana Roo, Mexico. I'll definitely be streaming that. Give me a lot of fish. And then there's a West Coast tour in April. <coughs> Watching those live is always a challenge because you got to stay up to like 3 o'clock in the morning to watch these shows because it's out on the West Coast. But it's worth it because it's fish. And uh, following up on something I mentioned last episode, an HBO show called The Nevers. This show... Uh, came out in early 2021, so two years ago now, by Joss Whedon. And the premise is uh, 1890s London, England, and there's, there's an incident that causes people to gain random superpowers. Very similar to the X-Men. They're, pro- they're persecuted. They're considered, you know, the, the scourge of society, all these people with these various... Again, it's very much based on the X-Men's, you know, the, the various different powers people had. Um, and there's a sci-fi twist that happens. What happened was, when it came out, uh, before it even came out, Joss Whedon, who created, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and a bunch of other superhero movies and stuff, he uh, got caught up in, like, the uh, the Me Too cancellation movement. And um, so he was forced off the show after the first six episodes. I don't know exactly why they chose to do the first season uh, split into two groups of six episodes, or I think it probably was because he got canceled. I did actually do a little research on the guy, and apparently uh, he sounds like just kind of an asshole. Uh, Apparently when he was doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, he was the guy running the show. He was the big boss. And from what I read, it said that he was trying to sleep with a lot of the young women that were on the show, that he was their boss. One quote I read, and again, I don't... <laughs> I guess you can quote me on it, but said that he he felt that if he didn't try to sleep with them all, he would regret it later. Because he was then in a position to, like, in a position of power over all these young women. Yes, very creepy stuff. Um, <coughs> uh, they were, I suppose, from what I, I, I... It seems that they were all consensual, but... Being that he had all his power over them, yada, yada, it's, a, you know, obviously not a nice thing to do. He also, I guess, was uh, mean to people, yelling at people. He just sounds like a real asshole. Um, there wasn't any, like, one big thing that he did, that, as far as I can tell. Uh, but anyway, the show, very ambitious and really a lot of tropes in it, a lot of superhero tropes and 
I mean, when I watched it, <coughs> it was on HBO Max. <coughs> I thought it was okay. You know, I watch a lot of those sci-fi type shows. I mean, I, I didn't think it was great. I thought it was okay. And I figured if those episodes came out, I'm assume, I would have hoped they would have come out like 2022. I would have watched it, you know. But all sorts of crazy stuff happened. HBO has been like really uh, cleaning house and cost-cutting measures and all this stuff. And uh, so they got rid of the Nevers as an HBO show. And <coughs> all this stuff is going on. I, I skimmed these articles. So they said they're going to, since they canceled it, by the, you know, they canceled the show. There will be no season two. But apparently 1B, which is the this, this episode 7 through 12 of season one, were already done, right, before all of this restructuring. So... They uh, recently announced that they're going to show those episodes for those people that were interested on Tubi, a free streaming service with commercials. And I'm I'm thinking, you know, what the hell? It's fine. I suppose I'll I'll watch it. Uh, but then they said you can only watch it. And this was last week, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of last week. They'll be showing a marathon of all 12 episodes in the afternoon of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday afternoon in the U.S. only. And uh, I didn't get the news till Thursday. So they were showing it live only. And it upset a lot of people. I've never heard of such a thing. And some of the theories were that they're going to like save money by... like They have to pay people based on how many times the show is shown. and They're going to reshow it uh, March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And that's and that's all that's been announced. No one knows what is going to happen with this. And I was reading uh, chatter that the show is so horrible. Maybe that's why they didn't want people to see it because it's such a huge disaster. It's a terrible show and all sorts of stuff. So anyway, uh, as I mentioned last episode, when I started looking, I, I couldn't find any any pirated copies of this show, which is, I think, because this took everyone by surprise. It's not the usual... You know, usually if it's on a streaming service, someone that has that streaming service can rip it and that can then be the source. But in this case, someone had to really like record it while it was while it was streaming uh, on the service. So I think it was uh, I think it was Friday. Someone on the Reddit. They had to be very careful the way they said it, but they're like, uh, I may or may not have access to a link that may help you. You know, someone that had recorded it and they're trying to share the show now. Um, so you had to private message this person and then they'll send you a link to Google Drive. All right. So I got a link. I want to thank that person, whoever that person was. Apparently they were the only person uh, that they knew of that actually recorded the show and then needed help from some other members of the community to figure out how to release it. And there, it was not optimized, nothing. It was like five gigabytes each episode. <coughs> um so I got the Google Drive and I started downloading it immediately. Uh, but two of the six episodes crashed out. And I'm like, okay, let me add them to my own drive so I can just download them separately. One of them worked. The other one crashed out again. Because there's too many people downloading it, they cut off the downloads. But I heard there's this other method you can use, which is that on your Google Drive, you create a folder. And then on the shared folder, even though those files are no longer downloadable. I'm sure there's a timeout, like after a few days you can download them again. You can make a shortcut 
you don't copy it to your drive, you make a shortcut into the folder in your drive. And then if you download that folder, you can get past the restriction. So it just took hours and hours and hours to download this stuff. But I finally did, and I've been watching it over the weekend. And uh, I have watched now season 1B of The Nevers. And uh, first I want to say it's nowhere near as bad as what people are saying. The show was not great to start with. And I think that um, the final six episodes were pretty much on the same level, right? Um, It did start to get pretty incoherent in terms of the plot. And towards the end, a lot of stuff happened that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. But the show was always kind of a bit off, right? Um, (coughs) I, I, I in no way feel like I want to ever see any more of this show, which we're not going to anyway. Uh, I, I think they sort of got as much out of it as they're able to. It was such a just a massive show with so many different characters and so many different storylines, so much stuff going on. <coughs> I felt like the final six episodes were um, done in a re- reasonably good way. I, I found it entertaining, and I wasn't really expecting very much. I do think, however, that this show now, especially considering the circumstances, if it's only available like to download on torrents or whatever, I think I think it could gain gain kind of a cult status because while the show is is really um it's I wouldn't say it's terrible it's just it tries to do way too much um and uh and and I think it basically they produce these episodes thinking there was going to be another season or a possibility of another season but this is going to be it and um I don't know I think it could I think it could be a cult classic in the future the nevers as it stands, it's not. I don't think it's it worth it for you to like jump through hoops to try to see it. But if it's available somewhere, if you know the type of genre that you, I mean, it it just is what it is. Um, you know, I thought it was all right, but it's just so weird that they did it this way, dumped it this way. I, I, I you know, I thought all these streaming services were doing great, but now you hear that they're all kind of like doing horribly and the streaming business is like crashing out <clears throat> this is just one one of the many uh victims this show is one of the victims of this phenomenon all right around the porch and i think we have a sun shower situation going on here is it yeah is it why am i i'm hearing rain but i'm not feeling it it's sunny, but it's it's raining. But why am I not feeling the rain? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's weird. It's a very strange moment in uh, weather right now. Oh, maybe it's the dripping from something. But yeah, everything's wet because it was just uh, a sun shower. But it's weird because I don't see... There's like clear skies above me. How How is it raining? Weird. I don't know. Maybe the rain fell and then the clouds are going so fast that by the time the water hit the ground. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I had yesterday off. It was Monday. President's Day. I had the day off of work. And I figured I should do something. And uh, just decided to go over to American Dream, the shopping and entertainment complex that's only about a 10-minute drive from where I live here in Nutley, New Jersey. 
So the one thing to know about American Dream is that it's at the Meadowlands a sports complex, including uh, MetLife Stadium, where the uh, New York Giants and the New York Jets play, though it's in New Jersey. They're called New York, whatever. There's also a horse racing facility. And there used to be this this arena other, known as Brendan Byrne Arena, IZOD Arena, IZOD Center, whatever, which is now closed. But it's still physically there. Apparently they're using it as a film set or something. Uh, anyway, so American Dream is this enormous shopping com- and entertainment complex that they've been they were building for decades. Finally, opened in uh, barely opened in the fall of 2019, and before you knew it, the pandemic hit. And even though they were so, even though they were way over budget and way late opening, they finally opened, and then the pandemic hit that caused further mayhem on the project. But since then. They've been adding – they're constantly adding more and more stuff to this. It's an enormous complex. There are more and more stuff. So I do like going there from time to time just to explore, just to walk around. Um, I've gone there in the past on sort of random weekdays, like a, like a Wednesday when there's like nothing much going on and it's a very sedate. There's very not much going on and not crowded at all. But yesterday was President's Day and I didn't really think – it would be that crowded, but how wrong I was. Now, another thing about this project is that this place is that the roads all around this thing and going through this thing are this freaking mass of spaghetti that is incomprehensible. I've talked about before, like, you know, like at, at Nork Liberty Airport, if you look the roads again, it's like this mass of spaghetti. It's so hard to figure out. This is even almost worse at, at American Dream. There's several different highways. There's Route 3. There's this Meadowlands Parkway. They're all sort of converging at this spot. And there already were so many different roads and ins and outs um, at the complex there. And then this American Dream, they built this thing from scratch. And yet the approaches to it, the roads, there's like these mass mazes of roads going in and out of the project, up and down. And it is insane. Right, so I arrived there, and even getting there, right, heading heading on uh, three east, you have to take an exit to this side road, and you get it sort of runs parallel to three, and then there's this one spot where you have to choose the fork, left or right, and the left one looks like it's going towards the place, but you got to choose the right one. I've missed that before and had to do this whole U-turn thing. This time I got it right. And then as you approach it, depending on like how like the exit you take to approach it, you're like on a different vector. So this one goes right through the building. And uh, so I'm like driving and I see like lot D. Uh, there's this big line of cars to get in there. And I'm like, I don't know. No, I really want to go to Section A because one thing I wanted to see was H Mart, this new Korean supermarket they opened there. So I go around and it is just utter chaos. Right, it's like four lanes, and then lot A for the A section. Everyone's trying to get into the right lane, and everyone's trying to sneak in. It's this big thing, but then apparently lot A is closed. So these these sort of hapless uh, parking lot attendant people are like waving their arms, go that way, go that way. So I wound up in this traffic jam underneath the building for like twenty minutes. Finally. 
I got back to where I was without any opportunity to go in any parking lot back to lot D, which is by the luxury wing. And this guy is like flailing his arms around. He's like, no, no, go that way. And I ask him, what, what the hell's going on? Is this mall even open? What's going on? I'm like, I was already here. He's like, no, no, it's President's Day. That's why. So he, and I'm like, but he's like, yeah, if you go around, you go to lot 26. What the hell is lot 26? I already was there. So I pulled in to go into lot D. Why was he trying to get people? I guess he's, I guess there's too many people waiting to go into lot D. He went, ridiculous. Finally, I got in lot D and, you know, went up many levels. And I, there, there were plenty of spots up there. So I got in. It's in the luxury wing. Which is rather sparsely uh, rented out at this point, but I'm sure I'm sure that you'll get more. Um, but the thing is, when I pulled in, these shoes, right? I had just put them on before I got. I didn't get the shoehorn till that afternoon, so I didn't have my shoehorn. But there was some little thing in the shoe underneath my like right heel. There was some little object in there that was like jamming into my heel. I'm like, oh god! So I parked the car. And had to go through the rigmarole of taking the shoe off, figuring out what was in there, shaking everything out, and putting it back on. That that wasn't fun. Um, so I go into this place. It is a madhouse. I've never seen it so crowded. Utterly insane. The food court, you couldn't even move, right? Just to go like to the restroom area, you like. It was like jam-packed, solid people waiting to to get food at these different places. So it's really I, – I can't imagine that's the best design. Like this throngs of people. I mean – and this place, every time I've gone there, I've noticed they have so many parking garages. Like how could they ever fill it up? But apparently they filled it up. This And this place, by the way, is has been in the news. They're defaulting on all of their loan payments. Like they have like $2.4 million on some some mortgage due every month and – Interest on interest on interest of some sort of advance loan or whatever, and they've just not paid it. Because what the hell are they? Gonna, what the hell are the creditors going to do? Seize them all? Great. Now you have to deal with this monstrosity. You know, it is kind of too big to fail. I mean, meanwhile, if you see the th- tens of thousands of people just thronging in this mall, they had to. Some of them had to be spending some money, and it, you have to pay to park as well. I was only there an hour, an hour and a half. It was like $5 to park. You pay as you exit, you know, based on time. Um, but, so I don't, like, they're missing all these payments. But again, like, I guess everyone's hoping that as time goes on, they'll make more and more money. And it is a great place. I think it's really well designed. It's amazing. There's nothing else like it. I've never seen anything else like it. It's this vast complex with indoor water parks, theme parks, roller coasters, miniature golf courses, Lego lands, aquariums, indoor ski slopes. I mean, it's just and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger all the time. And now they have this huge Korean supermarket called H Mart. Uh So, um there's a cool new Japanese store called the uh, Ebisu Life Store, and it's just all these Japanese products in there. It's very cool. Um I went down to the A wing, and uh, they have a new store called Caruana. It's a it's a uh, it's a CBD store. So I went in. I was talking to them. She's um, she's like, I'm like, do you have like Delta Nine or anything? She's like, well, we have Delta Eight and Delta Ten, uh, but we don't have Delta Nine. Um, so apparently, even though they made uh, cannabis or marijuana legal in New Jersey, 
to get the uh, license to sell it is extremely difficult and expensive. And yet CBD is legal federally nationwide. This is where Delta 9 comes in because I have to say that <laughs> it's been rather interesting the past few months. You know, I tried the Delta 8 and that didn't really agree with me. But then somehow all of the online stores, they're like Delta 9 gummies, the same THC or extremely similar to what's in cannabis. So I started getting those and I've very much been enjoying that. Uh, uh, it's <laughs> uh, it's the same Delta 9 that you get from smoking marijuana. And it's legal in all 50 states. But this place is saying they can't sell Delta 9 because it's too similar to marijuana. And that would be too... And so they can't sell it because of the because they legalized it now in New Jersey. They can't sell it. Or maybe they're preemptively not... I don't know the backstory, but... I'm like, what's this Delta 10? She's like, well, even though it's one number higher, it's actually much less strong than Delta 9. But Delta 8, I don't know, it just did not agree with me. I don't know what, what was going on with Delta 8. Um... Yeah, I noted that as I left there, uh, they were playing Steal My Sunshine, that one-hit wonder by the Canadian band Len, which is probably now over 20 years old, even though it doesn't seem like that long ago. So then I went to H-Mart, which is right down there. It's right on the same level. It's right down from the Legoland, the, the, the Sea Life Aquarium, right underneath the, uh, the ski slopes, you know, uh, really good supermarket and I just sort of skimmed through there but it's a big place and if there's another H Mart on Route 17 that opened in New Jersey a couple years ago I haven't been though so it's very cool I guess if you want to go there just for grocery shopping you got you got to pay to park though that's kind of a that's kind of a bummer but I guess there's no way around it um <clears throat> so I actually took a picture in there of uh there's there's a cool freezer section with like popsicles and stuff and uh Yeah, it was just it was just an overwhelming place, so I didn't really, I didn't feel like I I wanted to spend huge amounts of time shopping there. But anyway, let's take a look at the uh, ones of the frozen sections. The thing that jumped out at me was uh, the Calpis Ice Bar. Um, Calpis is like a uh, it's a big drink in Japan. It's kind of uh, there's another one called Calpico Water. It's sort of like a yogurt drink or something like that. But this is now a popsicle made of calpis water. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's Japanese. I mean, you know, if, you're, if, you, if you have a beverage, you probably don't want to have the word piss in the title. But this is calpis ice bar from Latte. So it, that's a very cool product. And what else do they have? Let's see. Uh, frozen green tea bars with sweet azuki beans. Do, Dutor Cafe Ole ice bars. Ramune ice bars by Futaba. You know, Ramune is that uh, the carbonated drink with the marble inside. <laughs> they have a, a drink called Parm. <laughs> Strawberry Parm from Morinaga. You know, it almost sounds like, uh, like uh, chicken parm, you know, or eggplant parm. Parmesan. What are these? Sort of a uh, hello, a uh, baseball themed one. Any other good products here? Latte. 
it almost looks like bars of butter with a cow. It can't be butter bars, can it? Frozen butter. Pinot little ice cream nodules. Uh, a lot of cool stuff. Mini soft. Oh, wow. It looks like soft swirl. You know, you know, like when you go to a soft ice cream place and they do that swirl as they're it's coming out of the machine. I guess you can get that in a frozen form. Mochi ice cream. So much great stuff. I mean, a lot of it is Japanese, even though it's a Korean. Uh, and there's some Korean. There's some Korean. Uh, is there Korean? You can tell because they have different letters. Yes, I think there's some Korean products as well, but a lot of Japanese products at H Mart. In fact, I don't see much of the uh, Korean script on these products, but there must be, right? Is that Korean? No, that's that's ja still Japanese. Yeah. Interesting. Good stuff. There's, I mean, I, I I'm sure there's a ton of products I would love there. I just have to, you know. And then of course, the vegan thing. Trying to figure out what's vegan, what's not. It's not. It's not easy at a place like that. Uh, what else do we have here? So yeah, then uh, again, it was. Absolutely crazy! There was this uh, <laughs> this like train vehicle like running in the mall from Toys R Us that was playing music. It was like an actual train. I'm, I'm sure you've seen those things. It, it's just like a, an electric vehicle, but of train cars. Uh, and those little animal vehicles, like it's like a little stuffed animal, but you can ride on it. It's like a little electric vehicle. I've talked about those in the past. I think I had a dream about those. So people are just like zooming around, <laughs> like in, on those things, and the entire thing. Um, the entire vibe of the mall felt very 20th century, like this over-the-top entertainment complex with people riding animals around and crazy stuff. It felt like some of the cool stuff you could do in the 20th century that people are doing now. Something very cool about that place. Um, there's one of those uh, cinema rides there called Blast 7D Ride. And as obsessed as I've been with cinema rides, I probably should have gone on it, but I didn't. Someday I'll go on the Blast 7D Ride I think each D refers to like uh I know they 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 shoot water on you, there's scents, there's subwoofers, all sorts of stuff. Um there was a new arcade in the theme park. Now you can go into theme park for free and you only need to pay to go on the rides, which is much better before you had to spend like $80 just to step foot inside the place, which was ridiculous. I'm glad they changed that policy. It's kind of cool. There's an arcade down there now. Not that interesting, but uh, then I went to Toys R Us, and they had this product called Thinkits. And I could swear I've seen this product before. I have to look this up. I, I, I looked in my show notes. I, I could, I've seen this before, Thinkits. It, ran, it was such a strange – it almost looks like a little handmade product. It was there at Toys R Us. The recreated Toys R Us. Toys R Us was out of, was out of business for a couple of years, then they brought it back. They did a very good job at this place. I'm not sure who's behind it, but what is the story with Thinkits? It's like a little bag of just random plastic objects, and you're supposed to, like, um, tell stories with it. Thinkits. I could swear I talked about this on this show. Thinkits Educational Toys. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a little roll. Like, it's like little miniature objects, kind of like in... Uh, um, like Rement, like little dollhouse-sized things, and you're supposed to tell a story with it. From Is it from Think A Lot Toys? 
Think It, the delightful tiny trinket game of imaginative play. Great for family play and on-the-go fun. Think It is an amazing little travel game for creative storytelling and many other easy-to-learn games. Take 15 tiny treasures from all over the world and use them 10 different ways, including for hilarious storytelling, mind-bending memory games, and even a challenging strategy game. Think It is, an I- is ideal for home, restaurants, waiting rooms, and poolsides. Collect all four different color pouches since each pouch has a different set of trinkets. That is wild. Yeah. I know I've seen it before. Anyway. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I was walking around. I got a lot of good exercise. I walked around all over this place. I guess they're going to have a professional hockey team there. The the, the the women's ice hockey, the Riveters, are going to be playing there. I guess named after Rosie the Riveter, famous uh, woman factory worker from the past. The, is it, are they the New Jersey Riveters hockey team? Because they do have an ice rink there, so I'm sure that's where they're going to be playing. Professional hockey in this place. they got so much stuff going in this place. Um, and I walked through twice this uh, this food court that the only store open the only location open now is the Mr. Beast Burger. There was a line a mile long to get into Mr. Beast Burger. Apparently, Mr. Beast is a very popular YouTube celebrity. I never heard of him other than for this hamburger place. But everywhere you went, even even the um, the Five Guys Burgers and Fries, a line a mile long to get in. This place is just packed. Okay absolutely packed but they have a really cool it's like sort of a darkened area in this there's many food courts in this food court like a darkened area and there's a big fountain like a water feature and it really reminded me of sort of the environs you find inside uh, casinos you know when you're in a casino hotel and you're just walking around it's not all casino there's like shopping areas there's fountains and it felt like that a bit and uh then i passed by the the yard house right remember i went there was a Yard house at uh, Willowbrook Mall. I saw a few weeks back. Um, I didn't realize it. In this yard house, this is a restaurant with lo- <coughs> excuse me, I'm hiccuping with lots of beers on tap. But inside the restaurant, it's kind of darkened, and the one window they have is looking out into the indoor ski slope. It's so cool. It's such it's such a cool vibe. It definitely is unlike anything else out there. This entire this entire mall. It was it was wild. I really enjoyed it. Uh, luckily, get well getting out. Um, you know, it, it wasn't super busy going out because I, I was only there for like an hour, an hour and a half. It was the middle of the day. It was like two o'clock or something when I left. But to find my way back to Route Three, I don't know what the hell happened. I followed the signs. I wound up driving all around the Meadowlands complex. All these unfamiliar roads. All these traffic cones. It was like nightmarish, and finally I got back to the highway, but this place is so insane and bizarre, the way the roads are set up. There's nothing else like that either. Thankfully, there's nothing else like that. I don't know where they came up with the, how to make these roads. Most malls you go to, you see the mall from the highway, you turn into the mall, and there's like an orbital road around the mall, and then there's parking lots radiating out for the mall, and it's not hard. This one is very hard. But, man, it was crowded. They must be making some kind of money, but, I mean, 
to think that your mortgage payment is $25 million a month, <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I hope it keeps going. It's a very cool place. If you're in the area, don't make it your primary destination, but I would definitely want to recommend checking it out. Anyways, with that, I'd like to say thank you for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora. We're here in, in the Overnightscape Underground, a radio station inside a book. You can find it online at onsug.com, O-N-S-U-G.com. And uh, you can hear all of our shows. We have many different hosts, many different shows. You can participate in a show called Overnightscape Central. This show is... Uh, uh, created, it's put together by PQ River out in Truth and Consequences in New Mexico. We come up with a new topic each week, and you are invited to record audio that will be included on the show. We're currently, as I mentioned, in the middle of a series of shows reviewing each Beatles album. And uh, uh, last week was Beatles for Sale, the fourth album. Really interesting, though probably their least good album. And this week uh, coming up is The Beatles' Help, as I mentioned. I've been listening to that. That is a great album. Okay, even though it has a few has a few weak spots, uh, like "Act Naturally," but other than that, there's mostly good songs on there. All I gotta do is act naturally. Well, they're gonna put me in the movies. <laughs> Ringo's singing. They're gonna make a big star out of me. It's about a man who's sad and lonely. So all I gotta do is act naturally. Anyway, please participate. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, our project here, the Overnight Escape Underground, is a non-commercial project. We we have over thirteen thousand hours of material in the archive. It's all free forever. It's all preserved. Very focused on preserving this stuff for the near and far future listeners. And we don't have any. Uh, Set topics, you know, Central has a topic each week, but like my show here, The Overnightscape, I just talk about whatever's on my mind. I don't have a topic. And I personally love not having a topic. I don't want to be stuck on one topic. It's just not who I am. But obviously it would be easier to attract an audience, a bigger audience, if having a topic. But we don't have topics here. We just have this unique uh, rambling or rampling format. And... uh, over the years, we've had dozens and dozens of different hosts. And in this archive, it really is a lifetime of listening pleasure. Now that you know about it, you can uh, tap into or patch into this uh, audio universe anytime you like and hang out with us, your audio pals, okay? It really is an amazing, uh, an amazing thing. Please check it out. And do what you can if wherever you are in time or space, try to help out preserving everything. Um, the vision of this is it's a book with the audio inside of it, right? It's in the radio station inside a book. I have not yet achieved that technologically, but that is certainly the goal, that it will be in a book that you can carry around with you in the real world or in the virtual world, and all the audio is inside the book, right, on some sort of storage chip. Um, it is feasible now, but hopefully it will be more feasible in the future uh, for have this technology. Um, <coughs> and it's... The idea that it's inside a book, the book is an object that is thought to, it has the characteristic of um, persisting as time goes on. I have books that are from the 1700s, not valuable ones. They're from my grandparents' attic that they inherited from 
the guy who owned the house before them, he's had a bunch of old. He was a he was a book collector. All those books from the eighteen seventy and eighteen hundred aren't are not all super valuable, or maybe my books are valuable. I have to look it up. Um, but yeah, they're still readable. They're still there. What else from the seventeen hundreds is going to be like you know still going? Some antiques here and there, but that's why it's inside a book. Is this a very different kind of project? And I think for those people so inclined, it is just a treasure trove. It's an embarrassment of riches. It really is. It really is the mother load of this type of material. And I hope you do enjoy checking it out. A lifetime of listening pleasure. And in the more near-term future, next month, as I mentioned, I am going to be doing the 20th anniversary episode, which is also going to be the Overnightscape number 2000. It just worked out that way. I did not really plan it out. It just worked out. I slightly adjusted the schedule, uh, slightly, because uh, next month for the, I'm going to be doing a show exactly 20, uh, 20 years later for the three episodes I did in March 2003, Beta 1, Beta 2, and Number 1, one per week rather than two per week in order to achieve the actual 20th anniversary, March 27th, 2023 as uh, episode 2000. It's wild. Um, you, I'd love to hear from you on that episode. You can leave a voice message for the 20th anniversary show at a telephone number, 949-ONS-20, that's 949-667-2084. Call up using your uh, cell phone, I suppose. It's a Southern California number. I couldn't believe this number was available on Google Voice. ONS-20. It was available, but it's in a it's, it's in 949 is a Southern California air code. But it was available. That's a one in ten million shot. How the hell? How the hell was it available? It's it's it's, it's a minor it's a minor telephonic miracle. So just call 949 ONS twentieth nine four. That's nine four nine six six seven two zero eight four two zero eight four nine four nine six six seven two zero eight four. Or you can use the much easier to remember ONS two zero TH ONS twentieth nine four nine ONS twentieth. 949-667-2084. Been getting a ton of messages. Please leave a message. Leave multiple messages. It is really the big thing you can do to... Uh, if you've been enjoying the show, wondering how you can sort of give back, please just leave a message. And it would just mean so much to me. And it's coming up, uh, yeah, in a little over a month now. So please do. I would really love to hear from you. How does that song go? Well, I hope you come to see me in the movie. Then I know that you will plainly see the biggest fool that's ever hit the big time. And all I got to do is enter this, the other side.
as you've just seen, the special effects in Space 1999 provide some of the most vivid and imaginative moments you'll ever see on television. Special effects designer Brian Johnson also created the spectacular effects for 2001, A Space Odyssey. In future episodes, you'll see more of the effects as Moonbase Alpha must deal with fantastic things, antimatter, time warps, immortality, black holes, interplanetary warfare. Let's not talk about it. Let's look at some scenes from our next episode. Join us here on Channel 4 every Saturday at 7 for Space 
segment of the tobacco industry and US tobacco has made the market nearly a million packages of Copenhagen, Skoll, and Happy Days buys that much every day of the year. You're moving more than product. You're moving minds. Between your cheek and gum. Right, right. You must know somebody who uses it. No, I just listen to television. Watch television, right. I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome everyone to our crew drive. And I'm sure you're all as enthused as I am about... Dave Cunningham, department sales manager. And the work that we're, we're going to be doing this weekend, our Copenhagen Skull and Happy Days Mint. Now, the crew drive itself will be started by each area representative. And where we want to get this product is in every type of outlet that we can, and we'll handle any kind of tobacco products. Mark, you're all set? Yeah. A crew drive is like a blitz. It expands distribution to the point where our products are available everywhere. George, you got all your merchandise? Everything all set? You can wait for opportunity, or you can go out and make it happen. We're not the waiting kind. Doubling dollar sales every six years doesn't just happen. Bob, you got everything you need? There's probably a jillion reasons for our tremendous growth and a sales force nearly twice as big as when I joined U.S. Tobacco. But the biggest factor is quality. Quality each and every step of the way. My name is Rudolph Farmer. I've been raising tobacco ever since I was about 10 years old. I'm crowd 50. I never have missed a crop. It's a full-time thing all year round, this tobacco business. You've got to like it to do it. You've got to sort of be raised into it to stay with it. Cutting and putting it in the barn and all, that's where you run into your hard work. Weather can ruin it, hail storms, just totally. And then you can burn it all up in the barn and lose it that way. I started selling with U.S. Tobacco Company about 15 years ago, and they've bought just about every bit of tobacco I've raised since then. I like to deal with them. They're nice people. Dark-fired tobacco is kind of special. 
about the best, most expensive there is. It takes more to grow it, and it's got to be fire cured to give that real special smoky flavor. Not many folks are willing to do it these days, but it's worth it if you've got pride about your crop. My name is Sorry Fletcher. I'm vice president of leaf operations for U.S. Tobacco Company. We buy tobacco directly from people like Rudolph Farmer because we know they grow parts of tobacco, and this is what we want for our products. Hello, Rudolph. Good to see you. I've been in the tobacco business all of my life. I've been with a U.S. tobacco company for 32 years. Well, you got a nice place here, Mr. Thank you. Would you like to go look at the plant? You yes. haven't seen it? Yes. This is one of the most uh, modern processing plants in the tobacco industry. Carefully designed to take care of any future growth which we might have. Our quality standards are strict. We all know that our moist and dry snuffs and our smoking tobacco are second to none, and we try to maintain this quality in all the tobacco which we buy. We have a quality control here where we can watch all the tobacco being packed and then shipped to our various manufacturing plants, and we hope and expect that it will be a more economical operation for us in the future. Yes, sir, I did. Mrs. Meredith, do you have a check for Mr. Farmer's tobacco? Uh, yes. I want to thank you uh, for delivering that good quality crop to us. Well, we I appreciate, appreciate it, Mr. Fletcher. Well, thank appreciate you. it. Thank you.
so I have been tracking him since he geflogen there, uh, since his escape. And then I see your campfire and decide I must present myself before it is too late. Yeah? yeah. What do you mean too late? <laughs> My gorilla is a ferocious and wild, uh, wild, dangerous animal. If he hurt any of you, I, I should be most sorry. I knew it was a gorilla. I could smell bananas on his breath. <laughs> Why don't you tell us everything you can about your gorilla? That way we stand a better chance of protecting ourselves and helping you capture him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that mark good. Uh, uh, I, I agree with you, sir. First of all, I tell you his nomen, uh, his name. Kronk. Gesundheit. Has <laughs> he escaped before? Oh, yeah, yeah. In London and in Vienna. Oh, many times. And always he does the same thing. What do you mean? First, he finds food. Then uh, he beats his chest to establish his territory. And then? And then what? And then he steals a woman. Oh, well, at least our ladies are all safe. You have lost them. Now Gronk has her, and he will kill anyone who tries to take her back. Ach, du lieber, das ist mein Gestiefelpunt. Das abische Haus gegangen mit der kleinen Mädel. What did you say? Oh, I'm sorry, when I, when I am excited, I forget to speak my good English. Now look, let's not lose our heads. Betsy is in trouble and she's depending upon us. Yeah, let's run after that gorilla and take Betsy away from him and give him a knuckle sandwich right in the fangs. <laughs> nine, nine. I have seen Gronk tear a tree trunk in half with his bare hands. Maybe we better wait until he's tired of her. The first thing we gotta do is figure out where he's taking her. Well, if he behaves like other great apes, he's probably heading for a cave. Yeah, that is exactly right. Well, we better give up then. There's so many caves around in the mountains look like Swiss cheese. Look, we'll make search parties. You go with Klaus, Andy will go with me. We'll leave Mr. Brookhaven here to look after the ladies. Come on, Andy.
Deep beneath the waves, the uncharted waters of the 21st century await. You're called in to battle lasers fired from enemy subs. Targets whoosh in on mechanical crabs. Captain Jason's ship is bombarded from all sides. How bad are we hit? We're taking on water, Captain. Surface! Targets speeding overhead! Targets dead on! Return fire! Come aboard, Hydrosub 2021.
To save gas, drive less, obey speed limit. Scanner photography shows you. The light colors show how Silkians goes only where Brenda's hair needs it. But Sue needs more conditioning. All over. And Chisa needs it only on the ends. Silkians. What you don't need rinses clean away. Silkians. The science of silkening your hair. And that's not greasy kid stuff. Next time a little food makes your taste buds whisper to be wet, think about Nesty. Nest tea with a hundred percent tea taste, so clean feeling, so taste tingling, brewed tea flavor, so light and natural that nothing adds interest to your meal like Nest tea. Taste the real tea, Nest tea, and take the Nest A 
of my own choosing Center 5 tonight following the movie. NBC Saturday Night at the Movies presents Man from Atlantis, starring Patrick Duffy and Belinda Montgomery. A deep ocean storm carries a strange being to shore, and he nears a death that medical science cannot stop until a marine scientist returns him to the ocean and makes him live. Where is he from? The computer guesses. He is named Mark Harris and put through a series of tests to calculate his speed, agility, and strength. return to his ocean existence, Mark decides to help us further our exploration of the oceans. 
and wants to gain knowledge about his human friends. I have not learned enough. And now, Man from Atlantis 2, The Death Scouts. Oh 
Tuesday at 7.30, it's Into the Valley of the Space Invaders, a reconnaissance mission to the home planet of Pac-Man, Tempest, Stargate, Asteroids, and Centipede. We are the invading force. No one can stop us, not even you. Into the Valley of the Space Invaders, Monday night at 7.30 on Channel 32.